0: Hey everybody and welcome to a special episode of PodQuest where I'm going to be talking with Jason Lennox again about some Kickstarters and other projects that he has going on. Uh, We talk about his recently wrapped up Lords of the Cosmos issue 4 that he just uh, finished sending out to everybody. And we also talk about his upcoming Satanic Coloring Book Volumes 1 and 2 that are going to be launching on Kickstarter on October 5th. And make sure to check the show notes for links to that if you're interested. And without anything else from me, let's get to the conversation. So, how's everything going,
1: Chris? It's going really good, buddy. I appreciate you having me back on the show. I, I just uh, I I feel like I'm shifting gears right now because I just uh, about a week ago wrapped up all the physical rewards for Lords of the Cosmos Four. So, you know, I think it was like 180 physical packages, and then there was a, a, you know like 80 or 90 digital packages that went out. So just so much I, I, I just got all that done which is you know it's always something with uh you know hey my package got damaged and i must have uh short-circuited on one because i sent one person a package with nothing in it so i just had to redo that oh no
0: it happens it happens do you have like when you, when you do a kickstarter like that um like well any kickstarter that has physical goods do you have um extras of like not just like not the books but like the other stuff just in case something gets damaged so that you can ship out a new one
1: yeah no you you want to have you want to have i guess the term is breakage uh you know where you have extra books we had stickers we had little tip-in art cards so i had plenty of extras um i had t-shirts and there's extra t-shirts too but uh yeah it's one of those things that when you do enough of those things uh, I still have two uh, rewards that have not gone out because there's two people that paid and they have not filled out their surveys and they have failed to respond to multiple emails and messages. So it goes both ways where, you know, it's like oh, I have yeah. hackers that, who knows? I hope they're okay, but they don't, I feel bad. They took their money and they, they won't give me the information to send them their stuff. So th- there's 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 two em- lonely envelopes on my workbench with their names and information on
0: them. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like, did, did they stop using that email address, maybe?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you, you hope that, you, you hope it's something that basic and not... Yeah, exactly. Or, 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 you know, hey, maybe they're in jail, but you know what I mean? Like, you don't know. But yeah, so there's always a lot of loose ends, you know, where, you know, one package showed up mangled and, you know, the backer asked to get a replacement. So, you know, the, there was, I would say about 2% of the rewards had some sort of, eh, maybe even 2%, still, so maybe 1%. Or there was something, you know, resending packages or, you know, something of that nature. But uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. So that that's always a big relief to get that over with. And and I had put Lords of the Cosmos 4 to be completed in September, and it was
0: completed in September. So that's... It's yeah, always- I actually, I got mine, God, it was either end of last week or beginning of this week. I Time just doesn't actually exist anymore well i'll tell you what isn't
1: that time we were talking about it and you got yours so it wasn't like well jason i didn't get mine right
0: (laughs) exactly exactly Um, i I mean luckily i'm you're you're just at mpa i believe right yep just outside of penn state yep yeah so like i i would hope that the u.s postal service wouldn't take too long to deliver i'm i'm in south jersey i'm like i'm right outside of philly um this far but you never know You, you just When it comes to shipping stuff, you never know like when stuff's going to turn up. Places.
1: Well, I will tell you this because I I do have packages going out every week through my Etsy store. And before the presidential election last year, there was definitely something up with the post office because I think I had like seven packages go missing, and I had to file either insurance claims uh, and or resend and or things showing up like in December that were mailed in October. Wow. Um. So I. I know there was a lot of, you know, people sniping at the post office that something was wrong and, uh, there definitely was something wrong. And after the election, it all stopped. Like I have, I've had, I mean, like I said, I had one package get mangled. That was probably more on my end. Um, full disclosure, I had sent a few out earlier using a lower strength envelope and it was one of the just manila envelopes with a piece of cardboard in it that got crushed and I actually paused And then I use these hardened cardboard photo envelopes that uh, my friend Dave that does Lovecraft PI said, why don't you switch it up to this? So that was even really my fault. That wasn't even the post office fault. I probably was using too weak of a mailer and I upgraded my game. So your envelope was probably a hardened brown cardboard one. Yep, it it was one of those. So I, I switched it up after I mailed about a dozen. Um, so that was really more my fault than the post office fault. But they've been the post office
0: has been money since literally since the election. So like which I, I mean, that's helpful because, yeah, like having to take that many packages anywhere to ship them is it's a lot on both sides.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Lords of the Cosmos 4, I felt I felt went off without too much of a hiccup. I was going to try to get it out sooner, but we had a couple problems with printing uh so, you know, you, de- you definitely got those messages, Chris, where we were having some problems with the quality of the physical books. But I was pleased. I remember, yeah, I
0: remember seeing those.
1: Yeah, so that was kind of a bummer and it slowed things down. But, hey, we still hit it on time. And I was really excited with the final physical book. So um, I, here's my question. Did you get a chance to read it yet? And you may not have because we're all busy. But you, did you get a chance to read it yet?
0: I haven't read it completely. I read the, the main story. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, like, flipped through the backup stories just kind of see, like, what the art and all look like yeah um but I, I you're right like time I, um I was so my actual full time job last week I was on call all week so I was just in this like zombie state like Monday to Friday <laughs> um but I mean as usual like the art and it's great um I th- th- that's kind of half the reason I like that book um it's <laughs> just like the the character designs and everything in there and even so I know you do the the main Story mm-hmm. and then you you bring in other people for all the backups and it's always just cool to see like what style other people are doing with these characters that you you're kind of like fleshing out in the main story.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I felt it was our best book in the series to date. I hope issue five tops this one, but uh, I was proud of it, man. It was a great process. It was a great Kickstarter. It was cool to get it out on time, and you know, a couple of hiccups notwithstanding, which y- you really. Ha- have to expect that something's going to happen. Um, in this case, we got clipped with a little bit of printing, uh, which threw a couple delays up, and uh, we, st- I, you know, I still got it to everybody on time. So, you know, I'm I'm proud of it. That's I what I'm counts? To- What's that? That's what counts. Is yeah. And and here's the thing. I mean, you read about some of these kickstarters where you know backers feel wronged, where it's like, hey, I gave money to this, and it was supposed to be fulfilled in September. And it's two years later, and now the guy is, is doesn't respond to us. I, I take offense to that as a backer and as a creator, in that uh, I think it's really doing um, the system dirty because I think it drives people away and it's 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 dishonest and it's not it's not what you should be doing. And you know, I, I take it really to heart to say I want to make sure that we tr- we try our best to hit these goals, and if we're not, to be very proactively saying, "Hey, we're going to be a month late. Here's why."
0: Yeah. And you know what? i The way I always look at it is if something's going to be late, it's going to be late. I'd rather it be quality and be late than be rushed or just in a, a like any sort of like disarray and You're get right. it like on time or early. Cause, and just the, like you were saying, like those Kickstarters that people just kind of go radio silent. It sits for years with no updates. Oh, yeah. that That just makes the whole process harder on like you and other creators that are on their shit. Um, I know I, I have one buddy who um he does comics on Kickstarter. He does like two or three a year generally. Um and because like, that's that's how he makes his money. He he he's writing, so he's um he's contracting out to like other people for the art and all. Right. But he actually um I think it was last year, like right like kind of in the midst of like the major bits of COVID, um, where just everything was shut down. Um Kickstarter was actually not letting him launch a book because he had another campaign that hadn't, um, I guess closed out as far as I, I don't, I've never actually run a, a Kickstarter. Wow. So I guess, I guess you have to like mark it as complete once you've shipped everything. And he hadn't done that yet on the one campaign because it wasn't quite at that point yet. And he'd been doing it for years and he'd never had a problem launching a new campaign. And like, he had to go through hoops with Kickstarter to be like, no, no, like look at my track record. Like, I'm good. I'm good for this. Like,
1: yeah. So I'll be honest. I, I think, and I've never done it. There's like boxes you can check to say that you delivered things. I've never taken the time to go click all those boxes, but I've <laughs> I also, I, I've all, I, I guess to me, it's kind of more between me and the fans that like we, I know you got your stuff and everyone that's had a problem. I, I jump on it real quick to take care of people with it. So I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I feel, I I feel at peace with the project that I know everyone's got their stuff. I've got my two, um, you know, I've got my two no survey people and they may never fill their surveys out or they may fill it out in a year and I'll still send them their stuff. But I know the book's being done. And and to me, a lot of it is, as you can tell by the comments, because they're Facebook, uh, Kickstarter is, is is like a big permanent record because if you get torched up on there, it stays. So, You know, if you go to Lords of the Cosmos, there's just a handful of comments. There's not the people saying, hey, where are you? I didn't get my stuff.
0: And so there's also a lot of updates from you on there. So like you're not on there every day, which is just too much. But I think you're at least on there once a month during the whole process, giving like a monthly update and then chiming in if something either went yep. wrong and you're like, like you said, like, like there was a printing issue. So you hop in, let people know there was a printing issue.
1: Yeah. And which... then I do that, that color coded scorecard. So everyone can read along with the scorecard and say, Oh, Hey, cool. Like I know this is what's done and what's not. So right now, um, the book was submitted to comiXology. It's up on my Etsy story. I, I have a press release ready to go. Once it hits, um, once it hits, uh, comiXology, what I'll do is I'll tune up the, uh, press release to say, if you'd like to get it on comiXology here, or my Etsy store here. And then I'll press release it out with PDFs to all the reviewers to, uh, you know, see if we can spark up a whole nother round of press uh, around reviewing the book and everything else. So yeah, at this point it's, it's, it's pretty much, it's in the bag. I, I, you know, which, you know, kind of leads us into the next thing. I got my next Kickstarter launch on October 5th for the, the long awaited, long discussed satanic coloring book. So we're transitioning for me, this is speedy having two in a year. So we're transitioning (laughs) right out from one wrapping up to another one, uh, you know, wrapping up to another one, ramping up. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, let's go with the next one.
0: Right. Yeah. And so what made you decide to do a coloring book? So, uh, my friend,
1: uh, Julia, uh, Julia guys, hi Julia. Um, for years, uh, she had said to me, um, you really should take your, uh, satanic artwork and make a coloring book. And I, I really blew that off, uh, years ago. And, uh, I think that she had hit on a, a really, uh, good idea. And, and as I put more and more black and white artwork out, it, people kept saying, is there a coloring book? Is there a coloring book? And uh, it really hit a fever pitch about three years ago where people were like, we really want to see coloring book. And you try to listen and you know, listen to the world and you start hearing the same thing from a lot of different people. So I, I, I kind of mentally slated that project in to happen after Lords of the Cosmos 4. This was after Lords of the Cosmos 2 wrapped up. I said, I got to get these next two comics done, then I'll switch gears to coloring book. And uh, I had a meeting uh, about two years ago with a local company uh, that does coloring books in State College. And they were like, wow. that was the big question I had was, where would I make them? And it turned out there's a large company uh, called KB Offset in State College near the mall that uh, is a big leader in the creation and manufacture of coloring books. So once I knew that I had a resource to actually make the books, I kind of you know, made, a, made a mental note, okay. Uh, when your fourth comic and Lords of the Cosmos is wrapping up, let's start working on getting this thing ready to go. So r- around March, um, I started putting the, the wheels in motion to say, let's put all the files in place. And I had a, a follow up meeting with the, the, the printing company and uh, my friend and collaborator, Danny, who uh, does a lot of coloring for me. Uh, her and I uh, had a meeting to discuss, you know, kind of moving ahead with the project after we met with the, the printers to, to basically just make sure we could make it work. And uh, all the numbers checked out, the production checked out, um, you know, we had all the work. Um, and one of the comments that Danny had made to me was, you know, this is a pretty smart project because it's almost all done. And all we're doing is kind of tweaking a few things and, and trying to, you know, put it all together. But we could make a, uh, a product. And uh, I, I got a small color graphic in like April to promote the project. And probably the biggest thing, Chris, that I'll tell you that I learned uh, with Kickstarter and fans is up until this point, every time I had done a Kickstarter, I would have the Kickstarter 100% ready to go. And then I would submit it for approval. OK, so behind the scenes, when you do a Kickstarter, you have to submit it to them to approve. And I, and I understand that because they don't want you putting out questionable content. They have uh, terms of service. So, for example, you're not allowed to do things that uh, hate speech, hate uh, you know, medicine, I think is another thing. Like I couldn't put like a healthcare item on there, things like that. makes sense. Sure. So you, you submit for approval. Now they could deny it or approve it. I've always had no problems getting projects approved, but you know, I, I I get having that as a, as a standard they've got to keep. So when I did Lords 4, I submitted it in like late December to launch like January 23rd. And at that time, something new happened. They said, hey, here's a link that you can go out and promote to people to get them to sign up to get a notice that, that if they like what they see, they can get a notification from Kickstarter that it launched. And I thought, well, that's different. So I went around for a couple of weeks and I drummed up like 70 people to sign up for it. And I had the biggest first day launch I ever had. There was definitely a correlation between using the pre-launch link and first day success. And uh, so when I was looking at this project, the coloring book, I thought, let's do it a little different. So I just basically slapped together um, a couple images. I put like one reward tier up in like a paragraph and I sent it in to be approved. And they approved it. They said, uh, looks good. Good to go. Um, you can launch whenever you want. Uh, here's your marketing link. And I got that marketing link in like April, right? Wow. Which gave me at this point five full months to go out and say, hey, check out my book. So the pre-launch signups for this project, the last I looked today, it was at 464.
0: Yeah, I actually have it open right now. And that's that is what it is at right now. So
1: I basically and, and so as opposed to getting the Kickstarter 100 percent, we're wrapping up the Kickstarter uh, this week, there's a, there's a handful of edits. Um, I, I hired a really wonderful graphic artist named Randy Faust and he's putting together the graph, the final graphics. He helped me put the video together for the project. And uh, I did a deep dive yesterday into like text editing and grammar editing. And he's making a, a bunch of changes this week on the graphics inside the campaign. So the campaign should be ready to go by the end of the week, like Friday. Whereas in the past, I would not have submitted it until he would have been done this Friday with some graphics, right? So the game has changed if you're into the long-term marketing. So I basically took this entire summer, the last five months, to to be on campaign for a
0: Kickstarter that's going to launch October 5th. Which, so, I mean, it, it's assuming everyone sees the email on the 5th when it launches, you know, you have that, – that's a pretty good start with 464 people waiting for this, basically.
1: yeah. Well, keep in mind, if you start extrapolating the math, right? The last Kickstarter for Lords was my biggest to date. It had 70, we'll call it 75 pre-launch followers. It ended up having 263 people back it over whatever the month it was on uh, Kickstarter. So then you start saying that's about three and a half times your pre-launch followers. So, we'll, you know, by that estimate, this would have like, I don't know, 1500 backers. We'll see. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing. I'd be the first person to say that past performance doesn't guarantee future results. We have no idea if that will play out the same. However, you know, it is an interesting, it, it's an interesting question to say, and you know, when this is all wrapped up, we'll be able to look back at it and say that was right. Or hmm, not quite, you know what I mean? Or maybe, Hey, maybe it'll be even more. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I mean, something like this too, it's, it's, it's not a comic book. It's like it's not something that people yeah. have to have read the first three issues for, or, have to read it all it's it's something interactive and yes people really i didn't know this was a thing until recently but people really like adults really like coloring books um yeah so oh go ahead i'm sorry chris no no i was just that was kind of the end of my thought it was just i was surprised at how much how much like these adult coloring books are really a thing and you're not the first kickstarter i've seen for a coloring book or even as a i've seen a few that were add-ons to graphic novel projects of coloring books and it's like okay cool like it, that is a that is a an interesting way to to sort of unwind and relax and why not
1: so th- this coloring book is such a change from what i've done um it's not a comic book um and i had kickstarted some art books years ago um they were not anywhere near this size or scale um so One, we're getting away from comic books. There is a tremendous amount of competition with comic books like day to day online, uh, whether it's, you know, large publishers churning out material or people on Kickstarter or or whatever. So coloring books, there is a lot less competition. Um, And also by branding this as a satanic project is this is something that has really energized the online satanic community, which is um, a whole nother animal that is not really serviced. Um, there was a satanic chick tract that satanic SF put out. Boy, might've been four years ago. Now we'd have to look it up. And, uh, that was the last one that I really recall that actually branded itself as a satanic product. So again, this, this, this is a different animal altogether. Uh, where this this is now taking on for some people, it's personal. It, it, it could be help them identify with their religious beliefs. It's a forward-facing product to a, a group of people that is in my per, in my perspective, very underserved with product. So what does that mean like when this thing gets put out live to the world? We don't know, right? We don't yeah. know, but it, but it's actually really exciting to kind of get that feel for, you know people getting excited about this product. So
0: Yeah, and it looks like I I think I did the math right. It so it's it's two different books technically. It's it's an yes. adult book and then an all ages book. Yeah. But it looks like it's it's about seventy six pages altogether between the two of them. That's about right. Um I'll I'll send you a
1: link real quick. I'll let you get into the, the Kickstarter, you can start taking a look at it. I'm, that is actually what I'm looking at.
0: So that, it was I, in I think it was I think it was in one of your newsletters, maybe. Let me
1: send you a private link while we're talking. You you can go right into it because I got it spelled out there by the page count and everything else.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no. I I am looking at the at the preview of the Kickstarter. Like I see all the the play the, like the reward oh, tiers and all. You know what? Yeah, then I did. You, you got that through my press release stuff. Bingo. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're good. Um. So yeah, it's about seventy some pages. Like seventy six is probably sounds about right. Um. And, and what had happened? And and this is kind of my roundabout. Uh, story to think about is I love the cartoon Robotech. I loved it when I was a kid, right? But Robotech was a Frankenstein monster. And Carl Masek went out and bought three smaller shows and, and basically cobbled them together and then used some narration and titling to say it was all one show. And, you know, we as, you know, the youthful American audience bought it as one show. It worked. But in reality, it was three completely separate shows. So the Satanic Coloring Book was never... The pieces were never made for a coloring book. They were just made as either spec pieces or client commissions. Um, And you turn around and you say, let's make a coloring book. So one of the realizations that we had earlier this year when Danny and I were talking to KB Printing was that one book would be very large and that could start to cause some printing issues with the size. Not that they couldn't do it, but it would just be one big ass book. And then the other issue was theme, is that when we looked at the type of work that we noticed that about half tended to be more adult topic. And then half was very, you know, kid oriented where it's like animals, like here's a cat. And I, I realized that at some point I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to put all this together. Let's, let's be like the sort of Damocles and cut it in half. So we took the book and on purpose made two books and then made one to say, this is adults only. And then one is all ages. Which I had a very nice interaction with um, a young lady online. And she said, I really am excited about this because she's like, I identify as a Satanist. And she's like, I really like your adult content. But she's like, I also have a niece that I want to just gently introduce my personal beliefs to. And she's like, I think it's wonderful that you made a book that I can feel safe sharing with a child. That there's just, there's just animals and stuff. And it was some symbols from, from my beliefs. And she's like, that's awesome because she is, I want to be able to enjoy all your work, but I want to be able to share with a child. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. And I never, I never really thought about that when we planned it. But when I got that feedback from, from just a, a regular person that, you know, ostensibly would come out and back the book, that really hit home for me that we did the right thing because not everyone's into like the more, you know, adult content, right? Yeah. So- you know you you could you could get both you could just say i don't you know i only want the adult one or i only want the kid one or whatever you want you can go either way
0: yeah and i mean looking assuming that um okay yeah no i I am looking at this right some of like the the adult pages like they're not necessarily like bad they're just i like i see what you mean like they're a little more dangerous let's say as far as like (laughs) yeah there's no there's like a skeleton with like the the ram horns and stuff like that like it's nothing it's nothing offensive it's just yeah, the, i can see some people wouldn't want like a 6 year old coloring that but you know well there's, there's going to be why not there's going to be nudity in in book 1 so i mean
1: that's that's the big concern that i have is i don't want to you know sell a product to kids that has nudity cuz i wouldn't want someone selling that to my kids so i'd say we just broke that's it. fair and look i don't i don't think it's like crazy nudity but there is nudity so you know if people are upset by seeing you know naked naked uh, breasts, then, you know, that's that's volume one, right? So, you know, to me, it was, again, it, it made sense theme-wise, but also to, I don't like censorship at all, but I also don't like exposing kids to things that are inappropriate. So I think the smart thing is to always say, hey, we're going to make something for both, right? And if you, if you would prefer the more adult content, there's going to be some nudity. Um, you know, there might be some adult themes, right? We're going to put that in one place. So the adult, I want the adults to have their option. Right. And also I want to have things that you could say, Hey, if this is a kid and, and we're a household that we want
0: to, you know, showcase this stuff to kids. It's, it's a rabbit with a pentagram, yeah. you know? And and looking at it too, the, um, that like the adult ones look, they have more of that adult coloring book vibe to them with like the real intricate line work, like, in, yeah. like the backgrounds and all like with the stained glass and all in them mm-hmm. that like, the, the adult coloring books I've seen that you can buy at like your craft stores and Walmart and stuff. That's always what they are. They're very like stained glass looking pieces where it, it takes a long time to color them in. Mm-hmm. And then the, the volume two, the all ages, it's it's simpler,
1: you know? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that was a real cool process. And, and that was part of this year, kind of going through now that we're actually going to do this and you start you know, getting some other people you trust and, and that are valuable partners. You know, in this case, I'm talking about Danny and I'm talking about the people at KB Offset is that you start to figure out what what does this big pile of files look like, right? When we transform it into a book, now it's two books, you know, and then how are we going to market it and how are we going to, you know, how are we going to bring this to market and what does it look like? But I was very happy with that that separation because I know on Instagram, there's a lot of anger You know, where there's adult models that'll be on Instagram or whatever, and and they'll put up things that are kind of racy, and then they'll just have their entire accounts taken away. And it's always, well, we have to protect uh, the children. And a lot of people have said, well, why can't we have a place where there's not children,
0: right? Yeah, or or just have it, like, be able to set a profile to, to, like, adults only. Like not not for like pornographic reasons, but like Twitch does that. Like you can set your Twitch channel to to over eighteen only because you're going to sure. be cursing or playing M-rated games or something on there. Like, well, sure, have the same thing for for an Instagram page, right? And
1: and in this case, it's it's the coloring book where again, I, I'm very anti-censorship, but I, I'm also very let's give kids appropriate content. But but I get very upset when people start to conflate those two issues and start saying, well, because. There's children in the world, we have to make all entertainment for children. Not really. I, I think that's false. I think it's a lazy argument. And and that was kind of fun to actually practice what I preach and say, hey, I'm gonna make something that that, that one person can can go show their, their, their niece, where it's it's a cow, it's it's a it's a rabbit, it's a cat, you know, with this with the you know, the Lucifer sigil or pentagram. Right. Which in that community, those are those are religious symbols. And, and some people may get upset about that, but that's the fun of having freedom of religion is is recognizing that people that are Satanists or, or pagans or any alternative religion uh, should carry as much you know weight and protection as more mainstream uh, religions in our country.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And- I mean, there's a, if they are a registered religion, like why why can't they have the same?
1: exactly so so to me it was really cool to that that, that conversation really made me feel good because i was like this is this is spot on because because we're gonna give the adults the stuff they want and you know what we can give something they could take to you know their, their little satanists and i think our description we call them for the little hellhounds in your life right so it was it was cool and uh yeah
0: yeah so which one was harder to do the the coloring book or or the actual comic book i think the comic
1: book is way harder because there's <laughs> more to do to be honest with you right Um, with the comic book, you're getting involved with, I mean, text and, and lettering and editing and, and story continuity. And, uh, that's a lot harder. Whereas the coloring book, I actually had someone say, you know, it'd be really cool if you started to to make the coloring books have a story and more of a narrative thread. And I said, I said, you know, it is kind of nice to take a break every now and then. So I was like, how about we don't do?
0: Yeah, that's, that seems like a bit much. And I mean to be fair, you figure all like Lords of the cosmos is it's black and white. So somebody wants like a digital copy of it. They can always, you know, throw it in the Photoshop and make their own coloring book out of it.
1: That's right. So, so to me, part of doing this was, you know, listening to the world. Um, part of it is sometimes it's nice to take a break and not do the same thing all the time. Like I love doing Lords of the cosmos, but to be honest, it's kind of cool just to take a little pause and, and do something different. Um, just it, hel- it helps my brain stay fresh. And the other exciting thing is, too, is maybe it helps expose me to a, to a completely different audience that will want to check out other things that I do in the future. So, you know, someone may yeah. say, yeah, I like this guy's coloring book, but what else is he doing? Because I just like the process and, and I liked it. So
0: Yeah, especially with something like this where, like, it doesn't necessarily – it's not necessarily geared towards people that buy the comics. Like right, right. So like if you get like the right hashtag on Twitter or something like that, or uh, I think you mentioned in, um, in an email that this was already picked as a project we love by Kickstarter. So it gets that front page treatment. Yeah. Um, So,
1: so, you know, and this is the other, so a little story about that. So, um, I, I got a message from, um, a a lady named Oriana Leckard, and Oriana is the head of Kickstarter publishing. And she, oh. sent me, she sent me a note and said, hey, can I talk to you about this project? And of course, my first thought was I was in trouble um, <laughs> that I had done something bad, um, but that was not the case. She, so, so we connected off of uh, Twitter on email and she wrote me uh, an incredibly positive note, how excited she was personally for the project. And uh, you know, she, she said, I, I love it and I, and, uh, I really'd like to, to help you out to make it succeed. Um, could I review the project and give you some, just a couple, you know, critiques? I was like, sure. So she sent me uh, a dozen, uh, minor changes, uh, you know, just small things. Like for example, she said, Hey, you have like, uh, people's names and then you have, you wrote out their, you know, their social media tags. Why don't you hyperlink them? I was like, well, you got me there. That's a pretty good idea. So, so it was, it, it was incredibly wonderful to get that from her. And, uh, she said, uh, you know, we, we'd like you to, to get your launch date locked in because we, we'd like to, we really want to put this project front and center for October promotions, um, which I guess they're going to call Witch Starter. Okay. So it's going to be a project they love. And then whatever Witch Starter means, we're going to find out. I don't even know what that means, but we're in Witch Starter. So um, Oriana was just delightful to deal with. Um, super helpful. I, I had never um, had anyone from Kickstarter talk to me Um and whatever she saw in the project, if she saw something in it, what does that mean to the public? So that that is a very exciting thing to to think about is, you know, how much support will I get from Kickstarter? Who knows? I'll, I'll take anything I can get, but it's really exciting. Um, but I, but I think just doing something different, it helps keep you fresh. You know what I mean? Like and maybe doing something different got, will get me, you know, attention that i wouldn't get from doing the same sort of thing over and over you know what i mean like so it does help to to switch up your game just to to keep yourself mentally fresh right but also to expand your audiences and and somehow it got attention from from kickstarter that my comics never did now again so
0: what does that mean moving ahead it can only be good stuff yeah exactly because like you said you know maybe this is just you get you get flagged on like the front page of Kickstarter or however they really sure. do that sort of thing. But you know, that's how many thousands of eyes that might eat. They might only glance at it, but that's still people that would have never seen it. Otherwise that just, you know, they were on the front page of Kickstarter. It, it showed up on their, their feed or whatever we want to call it on the Kickstarter page. Um, sure. And like, for, just for you, like, like you were saying, just as that chance to do something different, it's also a chance for you to, to I would think just kind of like sit down and just, kind of draw f- for fun almost yeah like you don't have to tell a story you're not trying to fit fit a narrative into so many pages yeah. or panels you can just be like i'm gonna draw you know a skeleton today and it's gonna be badass and cool and it's gonna have a sword or whatever and yeah that's I, that
1: i i I, I, may, I may change out a few of the animals pages and and make some some different pages uh, after the campaign wraps to kind of switch it up. Depending, I might do a stretch goal with like some new art. Um, but like you said, there there is sometimes it's nice to give yourself a break. Um, where you know doing a sequential project, I think, is incredibly difficult. But saying I'm going to draw a pig with a pentagram, that's like taking that's uh, like bench pressing twenty pounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And right. I know you mentioned when we first started talking about the coloring book. That some of this stuff was just it pre-existing art that you'd already drawn. Yeah, some of the stuff goes back to 2015. So how how many pages do you think you've actually made new just for this? Two. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it literally it's
1: all pre-existing stuff. Like there was which, two pages.
0: Yeah. Which honestly, after just wrapping wrapping up like a previous Kickstarter, it's got to feel nice to be able to like kind of roll into this one, just kind of like, yeah, no, we're good. We just have to get it back now. Like. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's exactly.
1: And, and that's, like I said, I cringed when that person was like, you know, you really should try to make a narrative in this and tell more of a story. And I'm like, look, if you, so with the stuff in rituals, um, I started drawing a bunch of like, char- like satanic characters and kind of satanic rituals. And part of that was that people were asking questions about like some of the characters, like what, what do they do? And, and what, what are their roles in their little world? And to me, There was a lot of fantasy artists that I grew up with as a kid, some famous, some not so famous that uh, like the Hildebrandt brothers are two that come to mind where they would just put out like a fantasy painting or like a series. And they might have a character that might be in two or three pieces. And you would just get these really amazing, you know, prints or paintings. And it would just be like, this is the fantasy world of whatever. And you could just look at these paintings and just say, I'm just going to imagine what's going on right like if there's a wizard in a few of them like it was just up to you to imagine it like is he angry is he on a quest like is he old you know like you're just trying to figure out what's going on and like it's just use your imagination and so i think if you looked at the satanic coloring book the rituals book you might notice some characters repeating on a few pages or you might notice some that seem to have different relationships like There's a guy that's kind of a general. Then there's some that are kind of like soldiers. And people were like, does that guy run the other guys? You know what I mean? Like, who's in charge? Is that person the same person in this one? You know, and like, to me, let's let the people use their own creativity and tell their own stories. I I don't need to sit and spell out. Well, let me put the, uh, you know, depth chart to the to the demons in the book. You know, it's cool. You can just take a look at it and figure it out yourself. Um,
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure.
1: Exactly. I, I had a, I had a lady a couple of years ago that saw the communion print and there, there's an, a nude woman on a, a pedestal. And she she told me that that, that image was, she said, uh, what did she say to me? She said, this image speaks to me about sexual power dynamics in our country and, you know, the, the BDSM lifestyle. And it really speaks to me on a personal level that you're speaking to me. None of that was ever made with the intent in that picture. But if that lady got that out of it, that's
0: 100% valid. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what art is, you know. Straight up. It, yeah.
1: So so some of it's like a Rorschach test where it's like, is that lady a sacrifice? Is she in charge? I don't know. And I'm not going to tell you what to think. You can look at the image and just say, hmm, You can you can determine whatever you want. Maybe she's the most powerful person in the book. Maybe she's on the bottom of the heap. I don't need to spell it out for you because one, like you said, it's fun to let you figure it out yourself. And secondly, it's nice to take a break. So, so some of this project, like you said, is like, must be nice to take a load off. You're damn right. It is. You're (laughs) damn right. Sometimes this is fun to have an easy project that like, not everything has to be heavy lifting. And like I said, I love Lords of the Cosmos, but there's a lot of heavy lifting doing something like that. There's a lot.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I, I feel like any comic book is a lot. And when you're, you're not working with like a publishing house, So like, it's all on you to, to find people to do stuff, to, to package it up, send it out, Mm -hmm. get it printed in the first place. Like, I think that's the one thing that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to like create our own stuff when, when you're doing it on Kickstarter, whatever other platforms are out there for that sort of thing. It's just, there's, there's nobody behind the scenes doing any of the heavy lifting for you.
1: It's all you, um, you know, whether it's actually creating art. Uh, taking the art and creating projects, marketing the projects and then fulfilling the projects and or, you know, being at conventions, you know, building a mailing list like there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, making the art is part of it, but it, it's really it's, it's running a small business that has everything from inventory, shipping, production, finances, taxes, uh, you know, marketing, inter, you know, customer service, uh, you know, it, it's a lot to go on. So you, you have to respect the whole thing. So, yeah, the Satanic Coloring book's been a lot of fun, but it, it's also a lot of fun because, like I said, I, I, I may create some a couple additional pages, but for the most part, these books are, are done. Now, I did put a very generous date for myself of fulfillment of next August because I wanted to take it easy on myself. Um in case anything happens and or if this project goes haywire and there's 2000 backers and I I might have way more work than I know what to do with so I tried to pre-program in delays into this thing before it starts just to make my life easier because you got to take care of yourself because a couple people will be ready for Christmas I'm like maybe but
0: yeah that's that's some crazy timeline right there (laughs) I'm like, maybe
1: next year, <laughs> you know, but here's the thing, like the, the beauty of Kickstarter is you can just set it up yourself. So if you look at the due dates on my uh, rewards, Chris, they all should say August of next yeah, year. Yeah, they
0: do. I was actually going to ask you about that later, but you you, you did it yourself. Because um, I, th- I think you did, what, about eight months for, for Lords of the Cosmos 4? Yep. Yep. And, and I, I know when we talked before that book launched, you know, you said that it was basically all done. Like there, there was some of the the behind the scenes work that still had to get done, but you know, you, you didn't have to make the whole book. Right. Um, So like that timeline wasn't, wasn't anything just crazy where you were just, I, I assume you weren't sitting up all night, like drawing pages to get them done by the deadline to get them out to the, to the printer.
1: No. So Lords of the cosmos, what needed to be done was, um, The backer page, which I'm not doing everyone's name because that's a huge pain in the butt for this coloring book where you collect everyone's name and make the thanks for backing the book. I I don't know if I'm going to do that again after issue four because that's gotten more and more difficult to do. Really? Uh, Yeah. I'm telling you, people, hey, you know what? I know I said my name was Joe, but could you put, you know... Superman or, you know, super not, or it's just, it's a, it's, it's very difficult. So I, I may, oh. I may, I may quit doing that. It's just a lot of work.
0: And then you're waiting for people like, Hey, can I send my name in late? Yeah. Like I, I guess I never thought about how fi- like fickle people could be with that stuff. Cause like for me, like whenever I get those emails from Kickstarters, I'm like, Oh, my, my name's Chris. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, believe just me, put but, my name in there. So, cool.
1: so I needed to do that. And then, uh, we had to, do a couple tweaks on formatting. And I was hoping to have those books out in like July. And then we got hit with this printing problem like early June. And then that threw everything behind. So with Satanic Coloring Book, what's not done uh, is the inside front cover of both books, the inside back cover of both books, which is the credits and then the back cover. So Danny, who I'd mentioned before is going to, she's going to set those all up. And I have a folder for each, each book for each credit for in the front inside covers a forward. And then the back covers kind of a marketing piece. All those things are done except the ISBN code and UPC code has to be purchased. And then out of respect to her, I'm going to send her all that stuff at once to make it. Um, We may have to do a little formatting on some of the two page spreads that are in the, in the coloring books. And like I said, I, I may, I may take about two months and knock out a couple additional pages for the one book. Um, but once that's done, those books are ready to roll. So again, it's, it's similar to Lords of the cosmos where most of those books were done. But I always like to give myself a lot of, a lot of space, man, because you never know when, you know, your own life's going to get busy or you're going to have some like, that printing air.
0: Yeah. And that seems just from, I have backed a lot of comics over the years and that seems to happen more often than like, I feel anyone would think it does just, and like, Nobody's fault, you know, a book doesn't print right, the printer doesn't catch it, or, you know, something like that. You don't catch it till you get, like, a stack of books to, like, proof. Yeah. you have to go back, and, you know, maybe there's a typo. Maybe it's the, the page wasn't lined up correctly or something.
1: Well, what had happened with Lords was that uh, the covers looked like they were hit with, like, a, a wheel. And there were these just these big marks on, like, almost every cover. And we had to, like, go backwards and, like, redo paper types and oh wow yeah it was it just and it just took a while it just slowed everything down but I also had sketch covers to do and everything else now with coloring book there is like add-ons where I will color a page or my wife will color a page or my kids will cover color a page because people are fans of my family so they're going to get to get on the action if you want the Lennox kids to color a page for you. <laughs> so, some of the models that worked in the book uh, as models uh, that I collaborated with, uh, you can, you know, some of them will have a, a, you know, color page. Lucian Greaves, the the co-founder of the Satanic Temple has five color pages that he will do for fans. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's some things like that, that, you know, if you know who some of these people are, it might be, you know, something you'll do as an add on uh, to have someone color a page for you. But
0: Coloring a page is a lot easier than doing like a, a original sketch cover. Oh yeah, and because I mean, at that point it's like you have to figure out what you're going to sketch. Oh my god! Ha- yeah. yeah, you got to lay it out. You have to actually draw it. You have to look at it and be like, I don't like how this turned out, and you erase the whole thing and start over. And
1: I, I mean, we had one uh, for Lords of the Cosmos. He wanted me to do Hulk of the Cosmos, so I had to do Incredible Hulk, Lords of the Cosmos. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of work versus. Eh, i'll just have a beer and get some crayons out and
0: color a page for you yeah now do you color like your do you color any of like your normal stuff or do you always give that off to somebody else that i I always
1: i i have a handful of people that i'm blessed to have as colorists because i don't want to mess with it so i just go right to them now for the coloring book yeah i'll be getting up crayons or colored pencils for that but for
0: my prints and stuff no i don't color yeah coloring seems really hard like 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 I mean, like coloring a coloring book, different, but like coloring like a print or like a cover, like that seems like a a tough thing to do.
1: So I work with a handful of people that color for me. So um, Danny colors stuff for me from time to time. Uh, Jesse Higgy, who's a professional colorist, that's really awesome. He colors stuff for me. My one inker, Dario, occasionally colors things for me in a, a pinch and uh, there is Miss Swan who is in England and she has colored things for me in the past as well. And I need to get her back to color some stuff again. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm blessed to have some really talented colorists in my back pocket because if you don't have them, like it is a pain in the butt. Because like when you see how good some of these people are, like it's just I don't even want to try to <laughs> like I, I'm not going to try to pretend to be them because it's, it's just a whole different skill set.
0: Yeah. Like I know a few people that they'll, they'll do colors on like commissions, like, like with like the markers that, that you artists use that look super fancy. Um, and that like that, that's like the, the extent of it. Like it's nothing super detailed. It's they're not selling it in like mass production. And I'm just like, even that just seems incredibly challenging to like actually make it look good.
1: Yeah, and and I just had to check. It's Kirsty Swan. She's she's a colorist that has done some really awesome coloring for I I said Miss Swan because I was like, I didn't want to mispronounce her name. But she's from England and she's super talented. She's a ferret mom and she she has a really soft touch when she's colored some of my work where it just has a really uh, watercolory feel. I don't even want to try to do their thing. Because <laughs> it's just, I, I don't. I don't have time for it, and I'm. I don't think I could do as good of a job even if I tried as these people. So, yeah. But the coloring book, I'll definitely color. But like you said before, I'm giving myself a break because it's going to be fun to color some coloring book stuff versus having to do sketch covers. So, yeah. I think August, I'll probably be done early on these things. But again,
0: just building in a pad. I'd rather be early than late. And like that, that, it's a pleasant surprise then. Like people get their books in June for it's two months early. But like if for some reason you're backed up and like they don't go out till August, hey, you, you hit your deadline.
1: Yeah. And I have a couple commissions, like private commissions that I have to do for clients in the fourth quarter of this year. So again, I, I got to take some time to do those. And again, it's all about building the project that you can do. And like you said, it's just, if you're one person, there's only so much you can do. So I don't want to tell people, yep, we're going to have this out in time for Christmas. And then people
0: are ordering it and then they don't get it. Now they're angry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, like maybe next Christmas, like Christmas 2022, you'll definitely have this book.
1: Sure. And here's the thing. It's all about setting appropriate, realistic goals where it's like, look, I'm not saying we won't get it out for this Christmas. Maybe it may happen. But like you said, pleasant surprise versus I bought it for so-and-so for Christmas and now you misrepresented this. And you're like, oh, you know
0: what I mean? Like, sorry. And I I think that's very unfair. Yeah, that's one of the things I like on Kickstarters is when people like, there's the estimated delivery date for a reason. And like, I feel like some people, they try to, they, they don't do what you're doing. They're not building in that, like that buffer in case something does come up. They're just like, Oh yeah, no, like we'll definitely have this done in three months and we'll have it shipped the month after. So four months from the day it ends, it's going to be ready. But like, realistically, it hasn't even really been started yet because they're waiting for the money from the Kickstarter to even like enter production.
1: Well, and then something else. And so this is, this is kind of a, a first time I'm talking about it publicly is like one of the things that I've been uh, pondering doing, and I think I'm going to give it a shot on this campaign is I'm going to let the Kickstarter wrap. And then I think about uh, a couple weeks afterwards, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it back up on Indiegogo and see if there is a different audience out there, like a scaled down, simpler campaign.
0: I've heard that certain people just dislike Kickstarter. I don't know whether it's like the business model or what Kickstarter takes on the back end. They just don't like going through Kickstarter, but they'll like back things like through an Indiegogo or th- there's some other platforms, I think, that do it also.
1: Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I, I think... It, it, again, it's, it's, it's more of an experiment to say, is, is there a crowd there that isn't on Kickstarter? Because I don't think we'll have to do very much work to set it up on that platform. Right. Cause we're just going to like basically copy and paste things over, uh, the video. And did you get a chance
0: to watch our video on there in the Kickstarter? I haven't watched the video yet. I actually yeah. didn't, I didn't pull up the the page until right before we started uh, recording.
1: Well, it's pretty neat. We actually did, um, a script. I wrote a script and for the first time ever, we had a voiceover person do a video, a voiceover for one of my campaigns.
0: Oh, nice. You're going to try and do that with future
1: ones now. I think so. And I actually got a, uh, one of my clients is a heavy metal band called dead animal assembly plant. And they gave us music to use in the videos. We actually have real music.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Like licensed, like, you know, they, they gave me their, their blessing to use it. Right. So they even have a credit in the campaign. Um, but, uh, we're going to tweak out the voiceover just to change Kickstarter to Indiegogo at the last second, and then we'll just change it where it says now on Kickstarter, we're going to make it now on in Indiegogo. Uh, my thought is, you know, if if this project makes 10 grand, maybe Indiegogo makes a thousand. To me, that would be a win because we're not going to put, not that we're not going to put effort into it, or I'm not going to put effort into it, but it's going to be a lot of, let's just export the campaign we've got and put it over there.
0: Yeah. You, you took the time to build the Kickstarter campaign. Like, why not use it again if you can?
1: Yeah. And, and I think to me, it's a lot like maybe you have friends that are on Facebook exclusively, but you might have two or three really good friends that are like, I hate Zuckerberg. I hate Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And, you know, if, if you're only on Facebook, you're only going to hit them. Like, you'll never hit them because they, for whatever reason, they're not there. Now, again, yeah. is it they don't like a managerial procedure? Do they not like Something about it, like you know, like why do people like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or you know uh TikTok? So I think to me, it's just kind of saying, "Hey, I'm gonna just try to be somewhere else, and if it flops, like I'm not gonna be hurt,"
0: you know? Yeah, and and I mean, uh, if the Kickstarter succeeds and and you don't get traction on Indiegogo, like it's still a win.
1: Yeah, and, and here's the thing: I I think it'll pick up a few people. I mean, like I said, even if it just is like, "Hey, you, you made." 10 sales on it. Like to me, Hey, those are 10 people that will collect their information and put in the database and we know they're there. So my expectations are low, but so I, I may take a little bit of time to, to, to kind of do that, which is another reason I kind of pushed that date out to August just to give myself a little more breathing room to basically run a second
0: campaign just to have it out there. Yeah. Cause so if based on, on just what, what you have following this right now, like it's about it's about let's just say four fifty, just to make it an, an even number. Mm-hmm. Um, how long like once you have the those physical books, how long does it actually take to like package and ship all of that? So if you only
1: had one thing and and it was just like I'm making one widget and the only thing you can buy for me is a widget, you could do it pretty quick. However, with something like this, it's gonna be like packing at a buffet where there are two books. Some people may buy one. Some people may buy both. Some people, you know, may buy, you know, a bunch of one, you know what I mean? And then there's different covers. So every person is going to have to be pulled. So there's satanic pencils you can get with this thing, right? It's an add-on. There's a satanic pin that I designed. Like I made an enamel pin. There are coloring pages where it's like, does Mercy West color your page for you, right? So what'll happen is I'll get a spreadsheet that'll dump all that stuff on me like a matrix, and then I'll have to pull all the data and order the books, and then it'll be it'll be like corralling a thousand packages. Like here's Chris Cobb; he bought uh, one of each book, he gets cover cover A and cover C, and he bought a pack of cr- pencils. And I'll have to pull it, pack it, put it in you know put an envelope. So to if if let's say we had a thousand people, it might take a month or more to get that all done because each one may be
0: different. Right. I know that like, that's actually not bad. Um, like a month to, to ship that many books. Um, cause like you said, like it, it's not just the book and it could be any combination of things after that. There's T you know, and I, am not sure if
1: you can get into the add on menu with that preview link, but there, yeah, is, I'm actually looking at them right now. Yeah. There's t-shirts, there's pins, there's, there must be 20 different people that could color a book. It's a
0: long list. Like yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm far enough away from my monitor that I can't read all the names on the, on the graphic, but there are quite a few listed on there.
1: Yeah. So, that, so, so, I mean, again, like you may have someone that says, Hey, I want three of book one and one of book two, two pins and a pack of pencils. And I want, uh, Lucy and Greaves to color a page. So what I would probably do would be to pack all those books, send that out. And then I'd probably send the book that will be colored to Lucien with another envelope in the box to say, please color this and send it to this guy. Just put it in the envelope and mail it. <laughs> so it, 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 it could get a little complicated, but again, it's just all about, you know, making sure that you have the inventory, making sure that you know how it's going to work. I did a lot of work yesterday building a spreadsheet out on every tier and every add on to make sure each one was profitable
0: with all the fees and shipping to make sure that I wasn't like going to like lose money selling something. Oh, I, you know what? I never thought about that. Like you do actually have to figure all that out ahead of time just to make sure like, yeah, you're not, you're not just eating something. So I basically
1: audited the entire project yesterday for four hours on a spreadsheet. That's, that's exciting talk that we want to talk about with everyone, right? Spreadsheet
0: audits. You know, it's interesting for people that maybe have never done this and just like look at it from the outside like, oh, this isn't hard. This is just, you know, you just you you make some stuff up, you put it on there and then people give you money. It's like, no, there's a there's a lot more to it
1: at a basic level. Right. Like the the basic tiers buy one book, you have to take the inventory cost to make, which we're not quite sure what that's going to be because we don't know how many books we're going to order. Right. Okay, yeah. So that's one. Then you got shipping. Right. Like basically what, so, so I actually, I actually have uh, sample books and I packed them this weekend in unsealed envelopes and I'm going to take them to the post office tomorrow to do a, a postage edit. Like how much does this actually cost to mail? Right. But I have a pretty good idea. So I, I have a basic number for that. And then Kickstarter takes 8%. So you got to program that. Plus if you have packaging material, like an, like a, the hardened cardboard envelope, they're 53 cents a piece. So then you start saying, okay, on this item that sells for twenty five dollars, you know, X amount is profit, right? And then you're trying to figure out, like, is that enough? And da 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 da. So you got to check yourself because the last thing you want to do is say we sold
0: twelve hundred sales and two thirds lost money. Yeah, which would absolutely suck in the back end, and oh. you figure like because you're because you're doing everything like people don't necessarily think that like you technically have to pay yourself out of this too. Like all that time and effort that goes into it, like some of that's going to you. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, you know, it's not a fun hobby that you're doing. Like you're, you're running a business.
1: <laughs> right. So uh, yesterday was a big audit day. So I gave myself a, an audit front to back. I was, the, the, the results look good. So I felt good about the pricing after I checked myself. Um, but yeah. I mean, that, that's the kind of boring back-end stuff you got to do to cover yourself to make sure that you don't do a lot of work to like lose money.
0: Yeah. Which is probably the most important work, but also like the least fun. No, I actually put it off because I didn't want to do it because it's just, yeah, I, I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I did yeah. it. Um, you know, cause I knew that we had to get this thing, you know, kind of ready to launch for the fifth. And, and like I said, working with Randy, he's been a, an amazing, uh, you know, resource to help me make those graphics look so sharp. Um, but it's a lot. So, I mean, like Chris, to be honest, it depends. I mean, dude, if we sell 2000 backers, it could take me two or three months to get all those things done.
0: Okay. I, don't I, mean, th- I mean, that sounds, that, that sounds reasonable yeah, like he- for for one guy packing up everything.
1: Well, don't, don't say it too loud. Cause my wife will hear, but she might get sucked into it too, but sh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know I mean, that. Right? I mean, the wife and kids, they can sit there and stuff books for you. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, no, they, they could
1: probably do a good job helping out with this. But, you know, they, they may get angry after having to color a couple pages and, and refuse to work after that. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> they're, they're very if you look at the kids, my my kids color a page here. I even tell you, I can't control what they're going to do, which kids you'll get. You get, might get both kids or what they're going to do to your book. And I think <laughs> I even said, funny, though. I think I even said this is a very irresponsible tier and you probably shouldn't do it. But I know a lot of you like my kids or something.
0: Because Do your kids come with you to shows at all?
1: Uh, rarely, rarely, they're still too young and they, they just want to like run around and act foolish. And I, I can't, y- It you can't really watch kids if you're trying to run a booth. Yeah, no, I
0: completely understand that. Um, it's, it's hard to run a booth or anything like that. Just when, when you can focus on it entirely.
1: Yeah. But I just thought of one other thing too, kind of going back to this, like shipping and packing question you had, it's hard to even predict because we don't know. Like, here's an example. Let's say Kickstarter is like, puts this thing front and center. Let's say they put it in an email and they send it out to like 100,000 people. And let's say this thing gets crazy viral traction and it gets 3,500 backers, right? I I don't know how long that would take to pack that many. I haven't even thought that. You know what I mean? Like, you're just kind of like, I don't know. Would that take five months? I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: you see that sometimes where like a Kickstarter that, you know maybe they're only looking for like five grand to, to like fund like their book or project or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like some, it picks up traction and all of a sudden they've made, you know, $30,000 and it's like, <laughs> now they have to figure out how to actually fulfill all of that.
1: Yeah, now here's the thing. I know we can get all this stuff made and everything else, but it's just like, it's just an interesting question to bring up because it's like, I don't know if this thing's going to have 300 backers or 3,000, I don't know. Yeah, so, it's, it's it's different from what you're used to putting
0: up on Kickstarter.
1: Yes. And, and again, having wild cards like, you know, Lucy and Greaves supporting the project and, you know, Kickstarter seemingly, you know, wanting this to succeed, you know, like, wh- what does that mean? And like, it may mean nothing. You know, I don't know. But like, you, you do have to keep in the back of your mind, like, what if this thing goes off the rails? Because I think my goal is $2,500. Like, it was pretty modest, right? Yeah. So what if it goes to 30000 It could. I mean... You know, and then if that's the case, like that's a lot of it's a lot of success, but it's a lot of back end work, you know, where it's like, OK, so we got to go get you know, the envelopes. We got to go get bags and boards. And, you know, it's it's it, it is an interesting question you bring up, but, you know, I'll figure
0: it out. And at, at least because uh, so right now it says 42 days to go. Is that is the campaign going to run for 42 days or is that just is that the buffer between today and when it starts on the fifth?
1: So. That's a great question. So inside the campaign, I have a start date of October 5th and I have an end date of November 7th. And the reason I picked that November 7th is it's it's a Sunday, right? So I figured 30 days would have been like on a Thursday. And I thought, let's go a little bit longer so I can end it on a Sunday, right? End of the week, Sunday, you know, right? Yeah. As opposed to I've done this in the past. I said 30 days and then my projects end on like a Wednesday <laughs> and I'm kind of like, Oh, I'm at work. I can't really give this the attention in that last 24 hours. So I've learned it's always smart to try to end it on like a weekend, right? Cause there's usually yeah. a verse at the end. So the reason it's telling you 42 days, if you look at a calendar, it's probably 42 days till November 7th.
0: Okay. That's fr- That works. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if, If Kickstarter like bumped it out, like, Hey, here's the end date that it has in mind right now. No, Um, no, no. That's,
1: that's just all me. Like I have to pull a digital trigger to launch it, but I did put in like a tentative start and stop date, which is like, again, it's like 32 days. I mean, 30 days is is, like the right amount of time, but I bumped it a little bit just to hit that weekend. I didn't want to go short. I figured 32 was better than like 26
0: yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. And the, so the reason I asked was it 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 gives you that, that – what's the right word I'm looking for? I guess buffer is not it, but I can't think of a better one mm-hmm. where, you know, if 15 days in this thing has just gone viral and, like, skyrocketed, you know at that point. You're like, okay, this is well over what we expected. Um, let's start figuring out, like – how we can bulk order things, how we can bulk ship thing, like all that stuff. Like, it's, yeah. it's you don't have to wait till that last day to be like, oh, shit, like we did way more than we expected.
1: Yeah, those are all great points. And I also and again, we haven't even mentioned the C word COVID, which is exciting. Um, so I just did Harrisburg Comic Con last weekend, which is actually pretty fun. It was good to get out. And uh, was that I your had- first show? It was my first, I did free comic book day in Williamsport at the Isle of Comics um, in August. But that, you know, that's free comic book day. It's not a show, I guess. But uh, so this was my first show in like 18 months. So I actually, one of the other reasons I, I, so there's a lot of thought into this stuff. So like the reason I always wanted to do this project in October, like of this year, was that I felt one, it gave me time to wrap up Lords 4. Because you don't want to be, you know, in another Kickstarter when you're like, I haven't got my book, bro, you know. Um so one, I wanted to have that done. Two, satanic coloring book, October. I mean, it's it's like selling Christmas in December, dude. Like Halloween, witching, right? Yeah, like
0: that, no, it it fits.
1: Like that that's the right time to have it, right? Is October, right? So it's gonna run the whole month of October. So like the satanic crowd, like what better time than October? Which again, ironically, Kickstarter's thinking the same thing with Witch Starter. And, uh, there was another reason I can't even think of what it, oh, I just remembered, um, cause I have two shows. I have a uh, sci-fi Valley con, which is in Altoona, which is in Western PA. That's a three day show. That's always really busy for me. And then I'll be at Baltimore comic con later in the month.
0: Okay. You know, I was actually going to ask if you were doing like New York or Baltimore or any of the, the bigger shows on the, like the East coast in October. Yeah. Oh, I would do New York if they'd ever let me in. <clears throat> and I, I feel they seem li- really hard to get into.
1: Yeah, I feel. Hey, every year I fill a form out and every year I get a rejection form. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, maybe one day they'll let me in. But, you know, I, it, you know, you know, I'll I'll keep trying. But I will be at Baltimore
0: and I out will of curiosity. Have, yeah, I, Sorry. I, I'm just curious. When when you apply for for New York, do you apply for Artist Alley or for like um exhibitor space? I apply an Artist Alley. I have heard, and I don't know that the pricing may just be astronomically different and not worth it, but I've heard from people that going for um, the smaller exhibitor space on the main show floor is way easier to get. And once you get your foot in the door, it's apparently a little bit easier to get that artist alley table.
1: Uh, I have heard the same thing. And maybe one of these days I need to get my SHIT together and do that. (laughs) And, and, And maybe next year with the satanic coloring book, like ready to roll, maybe that'd be the year to do it.
0: Yeah, because you know what? That's something – that is a different sort of thing to have on the show floor for people because – have you been to New York Comic Con? I went there as
1: – just to kind of walk around and let people look at my portfolio in 2012, nine years. Okay. Ago. Yeah.
0: So I and always, it's basically – yeah, it's basically the same, but there's that on – the, on like the main show floor, there's those like two and a half, three aisles of – Mm-hmm. art vendors and people selling comics and stuff like that surrounded by like all of like the big booths from like entertainment companies
1: yeah no i mean it, it, it my recollection of it was exactly that that there was like the ford motor company marvel comics and then it was like a 100 little tables of like hey i have a science fiction book hey i make uh you know my friend Rashawn prince i met there he's a guy that has a book called uh how to roll blunt for dummies. He had his little table where he just has, he literally has one book. Nice. And he's still selling the same book and everyone loves it. I think he has a second book now. I'm lying. I think he has two books now. But Hey, Rashawn, if you hear this, right. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, so I do remember kind of that like random mass of like small comic book guy and, you know, little press publisher and da, So, I mean, yeah, th- there is that there as well as the artist alley. So yeah, it, it may be, it could be that next year will be the time that I, you know, Lords of the Cosmos, Satanic Coloring Book.
0: Maybe that'll be the time to just say, you know, let's do it. I mean, it, it gets you up to New York for a weekend. All true. Which, which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing at this point, to be honest.
1: Hard to say. But but anyway, back to, back to my October and not this, now you got me going to New York. It's great. Um, you know, I got Baltimore and I got Altoona and I have – 11 by 17 black and white sheets that you can color at each show with clipboards and colored pens. Oh, nice. And each sheet you can take home. It has a QR code. So now it's like you can, you know, you can interactively color with me and then scan the QR code and back the Kickstarter during the show. So I got that going on too, right? Now, are they prints uh, from the book? Yes. Okay. Yep. So I, so it's an, in, like you said earlier in the interview, it's, it's an interactive book, right? So you can interactively, right, color at these shows and you know back the book with your phone which I've never used the QR code before too so a lot of this too Chris is me getting smarter and learning where it's like I'm gonna use QR I'm gonna market better I'm gonna market longer I'm gonna market in different ways like I'm gonna think more about you know using other platforms to go with kick you know so I'm, I'm throwing a lot of good knowledge out here for everyone if you're listening you know so it's it's school with Jason <laughs> this evening but it's a uh, I think October is going to be wild, man, because it's like I said. It's you know, I think it's the right time of year. It's it's spaced out enough for my last project. We've got all these people signed up for it. Plus, having two big live events where I may see hundreds of people talk to me in you know a couple of weeks. That's a lot of people to talk to.
0: Yeah, and I, and Baltimore historically is always a really good show. Um, and it's it's at a it's October twenty second, twenty fourth seems like a good weekend for that right near Halloween
1: Satanic coloring book plus I will have art in the Baltimore yearbook so that the art that you noticed in the coloring book of the the demon with the little skeleton wings on its shoulders that is my color that was colored by Jesse Higgy for the Baltimore coloring or for the Baltimore yearbook so you can get that for me as a colored print at the show it'll be in the yearbook and it gives me another reason to talk
0: about the coloring book which like you said it, it, you got all those different marketing angles coming in from all different sides yeah Now, and
1: here's the other thing, too. And again, this is all speculation until this thing launches is, you know, what if this thing goes gangbusters and has a thousand backers in a week and is hitting some crazy dollar numbers? And then I'm at these shows being like, yeah, my projects at, you know, XX dollars and
0: has, you know, then it's like, holy smokes, you know, you're here. Wow. Yeah. And like being able to be like, hey, yeah, we have this Kickstarter going like it's already backed if you want this coloring book like you're guaranteed to get it now. Yep. Yep. Because how big is the other show? I've actually never heard of that one. You said it's Altoona?
1: So Altoona is where my mom's family's from, and it's a little bit west of State College. It is at the Blair County Convention Center, which is a gorgeous state-of-the-art facility. It's about eight years old, maybe five years old, something like that. And uh, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. Um, it probably draws mm, 3,000 to 3,500 people. Okay. So it's not a tiny show. Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's a good size. I think this is the tenth year the show's been going on. I've been there every year except the first year and last year because we didn't
0: have it. So, oh, I did not realize how far away that actually was from me. For Some reason in my in my head, state college is much closer than it actually is. Yeah, if
1: you're in South Jersey, you're four and change from us or something like that, and then Altoona is another hour west of us. Like for me, the weird thing about Sci-Fi Valley Con is that if you ask other people about that show, there's people that'll say it sucks. I won't do it. Um, it, The crazy thing about it is they're not wrong. That show is a weird mix because for me, it's like hometown cooking. When I go there, it's like, it's like home turf. And like, I will, if it's like the past, I'll hold court for two days where it's just very busy nonstop. But I've had friends that are talented artists that will not do the show because they've gone and made no money. Which I feel like that happens. Like, and it it sucks, but here's the thing, man, Altoona in that part of the world is very strange. It's very, I'm, I'm not sure what the right word would be like local or like, I'm there in that area about every other week for work. I've grown up there. I know people there. When I go there, there's people that come that will always come to visit me. And it's like, he's Jason. He's from here. I stay at my friend Dave's house five minutes from the convention center when I go. You know what I mean? Like when I go there, like I know like my dad's family's from Lancaster and my mom's family's from the Altoona, Holidaysburg area. When I'm in either of those areas, it's like home home field advantage. Plus, I live in State College. So like from Altoona State College to Lancaster, like that's my turf. Like I know people everywhere. I know the lay of the land. So when I do shows in those areas, I do very well.
0: Which that's, that is, that is nice I'm sure to be able to know that you can go to a show and like have it be a good show.
1: Like just as a, like, so one of my customers in Altoona is a plumbing and heating wholesaler. And I was there the other week and one of their guys was like, yo man, see you at the show in a couple weeks, you know? Right. And like, he's not kidding. He and his wife will show up. So, I mean, it's just like one of those things when I roll into Altoona at that show, for me, it's lucrative, but
0: I've talked to people. It's a terrible show. Don't, don't want to do it and both stories are true. Now, how how does a show like Baltimore compare for you? Like is that is that usually a pretty good turnout too just because it's, ba- Bal- it's it's a big show. Baltimore's always been a great
1: show for me. I mean, it's it's been a great show every I think I the first year I did it was 2013, so it's been it's been awesome for me every year that I've done it. Um the last year that the sh- well, the last year that I was at the show because they didn't have it last year, obviously. The only negative thing I saw was the year prior they scheduled it during the Baltimore marathon and there was problems getting in and out of the facility for people so it
0: definitely seems slower in 2019 because of the because of the marathon because yeah, I think what I might be, I mean I might be getting my years confused but I think 2019 was the first year that they had pushed it further into the fall you are correct and cause if I remember correctly there was I guess it was 2018 it was like New York Comic-Con happened the week before New York Comic-Con was Keystone in Philly. Yes. And then the week after was Baltimore. And I remember talking to people at, it was either New York or Keystone, where they're just like, I don't have time to go to all three. Like, I'm going to New York because it's New York, and I'm here because it it was a new show, but like, I can't do Baltimore this year. Like, it's too much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and I think, you know, now we're in a new reality of like, this is kind of like covid part two because we thought covid was over and, and now it's kind of like not over and like you know are, are people going to come out like are they not going to come out uh now with baltimore they've gotten real strict on like you have to have vaccination papers to get into the facility and if not you have to have a doctor administered test with results like within 72, 72. Hours. yeah so i mean like now Is that going to help attendance? Because people will say, great, I'll go there because it's safe. Or are people going to say, I don't believe in the vaccine. And now that infringes on my rights, I don't want to go. I I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm vaccinated. I have my stuff on my phone. I'm good. But what does
0: that mean to the event? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually like, I haven't actually gotten, gotten tickets for Baltimore yet. I'm still up in the air with Baltimore. Just a lot of stuff happening in October. (laughs) Um, But I do. I do have a pass. Uh, my wife and I are going up to New York on the, that Sunday. And I'm curious how how it's going to be. Like it's – because I, mean, I mean New York is just a mad house any other year. Like you can't walk on the show floor because it's so crowded.
1: So I think – excuse me. I just yawn. I'm sorry. I think, yeah, no worries. Like it reminds me a lot of smoking at restaurants because I remember when they really pushed a couple years ago to basically be like smoking is out. There were people that were like, well, no one's going to go. And then some people were like, well, I think people are going to go because they're going to be excited because there's not smoking. So I am hopeful that Baltimore is very successful because I applaud their uh, their push for safety. I applaud the push for testing slash vaccination slash masks at the show, regardless of your status, that they seem to be putting people's health and well-being first. I, I hope that that is similar to smoking, where it's like, no, people like the restaurant that has no smoking
0: because they don't want to smell like a chimney. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, f- so we'll see. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no I, 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 I agree with that 100%. Like, I feel better going to these things knowing that they're putting precautions in there. Like, New York is doing the same thing. It's, um, if I remember correctly, If you're over whatever the age is, the minimum age for the vaccine, you have to have vaccine record. Otherwise, if you're under that age, you have to have a test within 72 hours. And it's like, cool, like that is about as safe as we can actually be right now and still be able to do these things. And like, I'm all for that. Like concerts are doing the same thing. Like I, I go to a concert on next Sunday and vaccine or proof of a negative test are required.
1: Yeah. Now, so I was at Harrisburg Comic-Con last weekend and they did not have the mandatory, you know, vaccination to get in, but they were being pretty strict about everyone has to maintain a mask at all times. Now in their defense, my guess is a lot of their behavior is being dictated, you know, in that case, probably by the city of Harrisburg, right? Um, Oh yeah. And you know, my guess is Baltimore Comic-Con and, uh, Baltimore Comic-Con and, uh, You know, New York Comic Con are probably being governed by the boroughs of New York and the city of Baltimore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so at Harrisburg, you know, I just did my best to wear a mask as, you know, as much as I could. I I did take some breaks and took it off if there was no one around me, just to get a, yeah.
0: You need to sometimes, especially when you're there for three or four days, 12 hours a day.
1: Yeah, like, so if there's no one around, you take your mask off and, you know, kind of cool off a bit. But, you know, it's all good. I mean... So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, man. We'll we'll see how it goes. But I like your idea about going back to New York. May have to try that next year. Sneak
0: in. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Like even even looking at Baltimore, like Baltimore has a really good list of people showing up, like like names that are gonna like draw people to the show. That it it's good for like for like you who has a Kickstarter going on. Like Brian K. Vaughn is going to be at Baltimore. He doesn't do a lot of shows on the East Coast. Um people might go to Baltimore just because he's going to be there. And then like, what are you going to do when you're not waiting in line to see him? You're going to walk around and look at other tables.
1: Well, and it's always about cultivating the right fan base and, you know, f- collecting. And it, I, it really is like collecting Pokemon. Um, <laughs> you, you, you could be at Baltimore and a person that becomes one of your best fans could be there. Cause he wanted to see Brian K. Vaughn and wandered around and just, Discovered you randomly, and it's just like, damn! Like, I I know I came to see Brian K. Vaughn, but Jason's like the guy. I love that guy.
0: And it's always good when like 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 you're super personable when when you're there. Like, even if you're busy, like like doing like a like a commission for somebody or whatever, like Mm -hmm. you'll you'll still chat with people. Like, you still interact with them. Like, there there are unfortunately like sometimes like you catch somebody on a bad day or somebody's like super behind on work and like they're just head down trying to get their shit done so that they can make the person who paid them a lot of money to draw something for them happy. And like, they're just not there for that, for that interaction. Yeah. Um, And like, that's a bummer for like somebody that like wants to like have that connection. But like you are, every time I've seen you at a show, you're always like super engaged with anyone that's coming by. I appreciate
1: that, man. Thanks. And and part of it too, going back to getting Lords four wrapped up is like, Mentally, I wanted when this, you know, when, when coloring book goes live, I wanted to be mentally engaged in it 100% and not like, Hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm engaged in this packaging, you know, and, and then you're not 100% on either. And, you know, so to me, the timing has been nick of time. So I can, I'm done with Lords for, um, and I can put my energy and focus into the satanic coloring books and give all of that the, the the attention it deserves. Now, again, I got my two no address stragglers and, you know, I got to do comicsology press releases and all that stuff. But I may do that later after the Kickstarter is over because there's no deadlines for any of that.
0: Yeah. And it. Well, I mean, we, we just spent all that time talking about conventions. Like it, it works out, too, that like you wrapped up the one, you're starting the other and it's convention season and. They're actually happening and you can get out there and even if you only do those two shows in the in like the stretch between now and the end of the year, like that's two shows during the during the Kickstarter it's Two two chances for people to, like you said, like come over and like d- color in a page with you and yes. scan that QR code and just like you're you're making it interactive for people.
1: Well, I, I had an artist that's in a Facebook group with me I'd never interacted with sent me a message on Facebook and he said, hey, dude, he goes, I was listening to Black Mass Appeal, which is a, a big satanic podcast that I will be on later this week. Um, but they were actively promoting the Kickstarter on their last episode. This is a guy in Cincinnati and he's like, I was at work and I, I heard your stuff being talked about. He goes, dude, and I realized I knew who you were. And he goes, dude, that's awesome. So it, it may very well be that I may have people that are in those communities searching me out because I'll say where I'm going to be on this podcast later this week, you know, like non comic book people that are like, Hey, like I'm a Satanist in Baltimore. and like, I heard you were going to be here.
0: Like, Oh yeah. And Baltimore is not a, not a hard show to get into. Like the tickets aren't super expensive. Like you can show up there on a Sunday for 30 bucks and that's not that bad. Yep. So
1: again, it's just, just keep, you know, it's just i'm always thinking about that and you know if if you come out of a show with a half a dozen really dedicated people that are into you that's huge because those are people that you'll keep with you moving ahead i mean again it's like collecting pokemon
0: yeah you know yeah, and and some people are really good at it and some people aren't
1: <laughs> yeah i i spoke to a uh a really nice um guy that had done a lot of work for Marvel that was near me at Harrisburg and um, he was a guy that was used to working for um, Marvel and I guess those days for him are winding down and he's trying to like kind of get his own his own hustle together and uh, he was like, wow I don't know you but you you seem to have like a big brand and like a lot of stuff going on and he goes what tips you got for a guy like me and I said are you collecting people's emails at shows And he was like no and I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, I've been collecting emails from people for like close to a decade. It's huge. Yeah. You know, and and here's a guy that was very polite, very talented, but like he was used to working for a bigger system that someone took care of that for him. So he never had to. And why would, you know what I mean? But now it's like, now he's kind of getting put out, you know, where he's now going to have to hustle on his own. And you know, he's like, well, geez, Jason, like, what are you doing to kind of keep your, and I'm like collecting, he wasn't doing it. And I was like, oh my, because <laughs> I walked out of that show in Harrisburg with like 13 people that were spending money with me that seemed really interested in me, which to me is like 13 people that went right in my database. They're going to get my newsletters and they will be engaged with me moving ahead. You know what I mean? Because they want to
0: No, Yeah. And no
1: newsletters fair. are becoming huge with, with comic stuff. Like, So like you're
0: ahead of the curve.
1: (laughs) It's about controlling the narrative because like, so for example, there was two really sweet people. I think they were dating. Um, I didn't want to get too into their personal lives at the show, but they were really, really engaged. They were in some way connected to the greater satanic community. And they were like, talk, 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 questions, sitting down with me, asking questions, looking at stuff, buying stuff, you know, and here's the thing. I got both their emails because those are the people that like, like you'd be foolish
0: not to. Yeah, exactly. And and you being there and and taking the time to talk with them and, right. and all that, like that makes an impression on them too. Whereas, you know, some some people just they don't have that sort of personality. And Nope. They they don't keep the people coming back to them.
1: And here's the thing. I, I really like both those people and I hope that they are the people that you know, when I do Lords of the Cosmos five or the coloring book, I want them there because they seem like re- they, they were like really cool people that I liked. And like, I want to keep them in my, I guess, you know, keep them in the fold, so to speak. But if I didn't collect their email, how would I communicate with them?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just have to hope that like, oh, maybe they like find me on Twitter
1: or Which isn't see me say- at
0: another show or something like that.
1: Which isn't to say that they won't but then you start losing control of the narrative because I may want to say, I am launching this Kickstarter today, right? And like, if I don't have that email, how do I tell them that? Like, hope they see it. And now it starts, so I mean, collecting emails is huge. And I think, you know, Substack, and I've been trying to listen into what that's all about. It seems to be like a move back to newsletters and emails because I think social media, you know, we're realizing that, One, and I already mentioned earlier about Instagram where it's like, all of a sudden, um, Hey, we don't like your content. I know that you've curated 20,000 followers. We're shutting down your account, (laughs) right? Yeah. And And just the
0: algorithm alone, it's like, you never know when your stuff is going to show up for somebody.
1: Right. So that's a problem. Um, you don't know when their rules are going to change. The algorithms are going to change. You don't know if people are going to leave the platform and you know, now you're on the next, my space, um, There's issues on all those platforms with hate speech, bullying, uh, nonsense, you know what I mean? And it's all over the place. Whereas email is like, Chris, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be in Altoona in three weeks. I hope you visit me. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) And like, it's just you and me, like, I'm going to tell you and here's, and, and and unlike social media, you know, one of the problems is there is like kind of these like trolling and everything else where it's like, you know, I'm going to like threaten you or, or act like a fool who are you? We can't even tell. On email? You can't do that. You could track an IP if someone got really out of control.
0: Yeah, and even on top of that, you have like like with Substack, for instance, because it, it kind of is its own newsletter page also. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're in control if, if that's your Substack. If somebody is in the comments on there saying a bunch of just racist, just awful bullshit, you can just go right in there and shut all that stuff down. On social media, you can't. Bang like, Sure, you, you can block them, you can mute them, but Anyone else that happens to come across that, like your tweet and like they're just going to see all those replies from that person unless they get enough reports that Twitter shuts it down.
1: Yeah. And look, I'm not saying I don't want to be on social media. I think it's like a necessary evil and I think it has its place. Unfortunately, but, but, but I think the newsletter is make I think people are seeing it. But it was so funny having the interaction with a guy that had a really cool resume and he was a legitimate
0: guy, but he was not he was not used to providing that data on his own. Yeah, which I've never thought about that before, but it does seem like especially like the guys who've been doing it for like the bigger publishers for the longer time don't have that sort of do it yourself background the same way. Yeah, and and I have a I have a lot
1: of thoughts on this for another whole show, but I think in a nutshell you're seeing these big publishers shedding off guys that were like, you know, lo- like loyal workers for them <laughs> and they were guys that were used to it would almost be like if you had an animal at a zoo and it's used to like, you know, the zookeepers feed me. Right. And now we'll take that same animal and just dump it out in the jungle and be like, here you go. And it's like, what am I doing? Like, where's it's mealtime. Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to get it yourself.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it's a shame because in some cases it's like, like you said, like super talented people that just don't like, they've never had to do it on their own before. Right, so now
1: they got now they got to go hustle it up on their own, and it was just so that was just kind of like a real eye opening comment from that guy because he was just like I never thought to do that, and I and it clicked. I'm like because you didn't have to, yeah, because you, know? you handed in work and they pumped it out and put it in stores and, they, and they, you know and, and and they were marketing the property, you know, hey, you did work on you know whatever, you know, and they did it for you, and now you know like. You know, you got to build your own brand. So, I mean, like, you know, you were saying before about for a guy like me, all this stuff's on me, but I'm also building up my brand, which is the Jason brand. So, all these projects, be it Lords of the Cosmos or Satanic Coloring Book or my t shirts or prints, I try to do very little fan art these days. I try to do everything as much as I can, uh, either public domain stuff or stuff that's all me, because that builds me up a lot more than saying, hey, I'm going to draw. Groot and Black Panther because y'all like them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like there's definitely a market for that. Like I have a lot of prints of like like fan art like you said but then like I have a lot of like original stuff too because that's that's the stuff that people get to really have fun with. Yes. Like and like that's what you want from your art. Like you want somebody that you don't want somebody that just like pumps something out because they just they needed to fill up another space in their binder. Like mm-hmm. you want the thing that like the, the person sat down and like had fun with. Exactly. So I think I think the only like Fan arty thing that I can think that you even have would be like your um your Handmaid's Tale print that I don't even know if you still actually sell.
1: I still do. Um, I probably have. It's weird. I have fan art like RoboCop, um, Animal Farm, Handmaid's Tale. Um, I have like a, a Joker print that I made. Uh, so I mean, if I counted, I probably have mm, I don't know twenty or thirty fan arts at this point. But you know, to me. My new, Actually, my newest fan art is I did a fan art poster of Machiavelli's The Prince, which is a book that's
0: 600 years old. So, I mean, you stay on brand for yourself. Like, you're not out there, like, drawing Spider-Man.
1: Right. So, I mean, like, so The Prince, at this point, it's fan art, but, like, it's actually public domain, so anyone could draw it.
0: Yeah, which, and, yes, I mean, that, that's, that makes that's, it easier on you, too.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, not, not that people are getting slapped with C&Ds over a Spider-Man printed a show. I don't think anyone cares about it, but to me, like you said, it's more about Jason
0: staying on brand of what weird obscure fan art did you do now? Prints. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm actually I never thought about it, but I'm a little surprised you don't have more of like um I guess I'm not surprised, but you just don't have a lot of like the like the 80s like like fantasy sci-fi stuff either. Like like not like like, of the fan art, not so much of original stuff.
1: So, I have a Last Starfighter print. That's okay. pretty, yeah, I have that. I have a, uh, I have a Road Warrior print. Uh, I'm trying to think. I have I have a They Live print and a RoboCop print. So, I, you know, those are the 80s things that I like. So, I have a little bit.
0: Yeah, but like you said, it, it your whole portfolio isn't a bunch of, of just things that you, like, were a fan of in the 80s. So, you redrew them in your style. It's stuff that you created.
1: yeah. Well, I didn't create RoboCop, but, um, you know, he was the thing
0: that I like, you know? Yeah, no, no. I meant like the, the majority of your portfolio. Sorry. I, I think I said that backwards. Yeah. The majority of your portfolio is like things that you created or like you said, um, like public domain stuff, things that like no one really has a claim to anymore.
1: Right. And I, you know, I, I have a ton of stuff from animal farm, you know, I have a bunch of things from 1984 that I've done as prints. So, you know, it's it's fun. And, and like I said, I'm not going to trash fan art because I have a little bit of it, obviously, but I enjoy it. But I don't want my focus to be on that. I want the focus to be on my original work. And and the fan yeah. art stuff is cool. It's it's conversation starters. You know, it's a little bit of cash flow. And it's fun. I mean, hey, I might do a Rick and Morty print one of these days because I love Rick and Morty. But, you know, I might do that just because I think Rick and Morty are dope. You know.
0: Yeah, and, and some of that stuff it, it's the thing that catches somebody's eye because they they recognize there's like, oh, that's Rick and Morty, and then they come over to flip through the binder and they see all the other stuff.
1: Right. And if I do Rick and Morty, I'll do them in my style and they'll be they'll be it'll be different, I think. So <laughs> it's fun.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I feel like whenever I see Rick and Morty stuff, it's always just kind of a, a direct copy of what they look like in the show. Like yeah. people don't, don't usually put their own sort of flair on it. No,
1: because they only know Rick and Morty is kind of the googly eye, you know, style that that they do the show, and which is
0: awesome. But it, I would like to see Rick and Morty done in other people's
1: style because I think that would be fun.
0: Yeah, I think that's half the fun of like people doing like fan arty stuff. Is like, yes, when it when it looks accurate to the thing that it's supposed to be, that's cool. But like, I'd rather have something that encompasses what the person. Is like style act.
1: There was an episode of South park that I thought was hysterical because like the kids were missing. And then like the police were going around to the, the adult characters and they said, have you seen these children? And then the TV show, just sh- the whole screen was this picture. The police have, and an artist had drawn a hyper real pencil and watercolor drawing of the kids. If they were real kids. Oh, that's hilarious. And, and then, you know, the, so they you as the viewer saw this like insanely realistic drawing. And then they clip back to the show and the adults like, nah, n- haven't seen him. <laughs> and it, that, it made me laugh. That was always a great South part. Cause it was so funny. Cause the show is not realistic at all. And this one, just this one image is like this hyper realistic pencil drawing with
0: watercolors. Yeah. I always liked when that show went and did like those weird things like that. Like there was the episode from, I don't know. It's probably 20 years ago now um, where they, they got super into anime for some reason. And there were what? all those like very, just like, over-the-top anime, like, cut scenes, like, yes. throughout the, the episode? Yeah, I think that
1: was season nine, and I think that was the episode where they hit, uh, butters in the eye with a Chinese star.
0: Yes, yeah, that that's right. They, well, they were pl- playing one of their uh, games, and, yeah.
1: Well, weird thing. I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty, but they did a hard turn at the end of
0: season five where the show went full anime for, like, half an episode. I haven't watched season five at all yet. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the first four. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't watched any of five yet.
1: It, it, it the, there's one episode where just, it just goes hard anime for like 10 minutes.
0: Oh man. And then it yeah, stops I, I have being to catch up on that. What's that? I have to catch up on that. Cause it, it is like, it's a stupid show, but is it's an incredibly funny show. You
1: know, the fifth season was weird. Cause there's moments that are incredibly stupid. And then there were some incredibly thoughtful moments. And this isn't really a spoiler, but the show ended on a note that reminded me of the movie 2001. And then it just stops. And I, I was like, I don't even know how to feel at this point. I heard it had a weird ending. It's, but I didn't. It, 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 if you seen 2001, right? The Kubrick film. Yeah. It ends like that. Huh. How do you feel at the end of that movie? You don't even know, right? It's like, is this guy God? Is he a baby in outer space? Like, you don't even know. You're just kind of like, I don't even know what, how I feel now. That's how Rick and Morty ended on season five for me. I didn't, I don't even know how to feel about it. Angry, happy, sad,
0: glad. It's just weird. I mean, that. That tracks for that show, right? Oh, totally. I mean it, it, it
1: <laughs> totally tracks. So I mean it was a great season and it ended on a note that I don't even know how to feel. But there was a lot of stupid lowbrow stuff all season, so take it for what it's worth. Yeah, which also
0: tracks. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so we were talking about like original art and all. Um just to circle back around. Mm-hmm. That's that I mean the whole coloring book is original art, so Yeah. That 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 sticks with what you're you're looking to promote of your stuff is like your original stuff.
1: Well, now again, I got to have Baphomet in it who's been around for hundreds of years, so he's a public domain creature, kind of like Dracula, right?
0: So he's Dracula public domain? Oh, totally. Yep. I didn't I never Oh, yeah, I guess it it's well over the time and it's not Mickey Mouse, so it's not Disney yeah. renewing it or, yeah. or fighting with with copyright laws.
1: Right. So so Baphomet is in is in the coloring book, but again, he's a he's totally public domain at this point. Uh and then Lilith uh who is a you know, really old, like literary character that has taken on some significance in the satanic community. She's in the book. And then if you really want to go old school fan art, uh, Babylon from the Bible is in the coloring book. Okay. So Babylon, who is in the book of Revelation. So there's, so there's a couple of things that technically are not mine per se, but they're characters that have been uh, in the public domain for hundreds of years.
0: Yeah, which becomes a different thing. And I think anything anything biblical is like a totally different story too because oh. those like th- those books are thousands of years old. Yeah, <laughs> so. so I put Babylon is in the book
1: and Babylon was a gigantic poster that I created that I, I, I had uh, a model named Goddess Nix do a remote photo shoot for me in Los Angeles uh, during COVID and then we, we used her to... Uh, as the basis for the drawing. And then I had to design the the Bible creature. And uh, Babylon is also a character that uh, is really embraced by the satanic community as well. She is considered the mother of abominations and like whore of the world or something of that nature. And then there's a lot of discussions about whether she represented Rome or something of that nature. And then she has a cat that she rides around on with seven heads and 10 horns. Weird story, there's a, a church across the street from my house, and they are very uh, end of the worldy types. So they had a big end-of-the-world seminar. I went to the other year to learn more about some of these crazy Bible creatures and stories. So I actually took notes at their Bible class to kind of get more in the headspace of Babylon. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. I went and gave a fake name and
0: like drove around the block so they didn't realize <laughs> it was me. You didn't just walk across the street and... No. no. Yeah, I, just, I just came from over there.
1: Yeah, I'm like, so there's a cat with four heads and wings in the Bible. What what is its powers? And like, we haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Amen. Amen, brother. Sorry, I
0: read ahead a little bit. I just wanted to know these very specific things real quick.
1: Yeah, like, is it really powerful? Does it breathe fire? But no, so Babylon's in the book too. So there's a little bit of stuff in there that like, you know, you might say, hey, there's like, I think Baphomet's in the book, like three or four times, but then some of the people have said, is it the same one? Are these different Baphomets? And I'm like, I don't know, it's up to you. Cause at one point he's a military general. At one point he's like a royalty at a wedding. Uh, at one point he is, uh, like a minister. It's <laughs> so a- just
0: a jack of all trades. Right. And then,
1: you know, again, is it the same one or they're different ones? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I didn't think that hard into it, but yeah, so he's in the book, but again, he, he is not, Owned by anybody. So again, if it's public domain, he's, he's mine too. I got to stay. Yeah, it. you put your own twist on them. Like, yeah. So so yes, it is all my original stuff because it, when it's public domain, you own it too, Chris. We all own it, and I like public domain stuff.
0: Yeah, because I mean that's the stuff that you don't. I mean, you see a lot of it in different like interpretations, but at the same time, you don't. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, like you you see Dracula in movies a lot, but that's kind of about it.
1: Well, I just backed an Ace game book by Jonathan Green, awesome author. He's really good at Kickstarter, and I he he is doing a thousand page Choose Your Own Adventure Dracula book, which I can't wait. To. Huh? Yep. Backed it. Thousand page. It's gonna be like a two inch thick Choose Your Own Adventure from Ace Game Books. I got to plug those guys. So they do a great job. I love adventure it, books. It,
0: is it a is it a game book like a and D like tabletop game book?
1: No, like roll your dice, like Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, huh. yeah, but one one other thing, real quick, with Babylon. Artists have drawn Babylon now for thousands of years. Like she is a very popular topic in religious art for, you know, decades, centuries, you know, millennia, whatever. So it was kind of exciting to do my take on a topic that, you know, artists as old as Hieronymus Bosch have done classic portraits of. So that was a really fun piece to do. And
0: you can color. Yeah, which I mean that people like coloring stuff. Right. So
1: you can color a big piece of crazy religious art. My wife was a hoot. She goes, what are you drawing? And I I said, this is Babylon. She goes, you're always making up the weirdest stuff. And I said, well, actually, she's in the Bible. (laughs) And my wife's like, no, she's not. So I had to go get the old dusty Bible off the shelf. And I
0: pointed out where it was at. And she's like... she goes, you're always up to something. Do, does your wife come by a lot and just be like, what in the hell are you doing?
1: A lot of, a lot of shaking the head, a lot of kind of like, I don't understand all this stuff, but you know, I I support you because you're my husband. But Babylon was funny. It keeps you out of my hair. So He's, just go go draw your picture. he keep, keeps you out of my hair. But the Babylon thing was funny because she, she had, she had, she, had, she goes, what are you doing? And it's this is so, I'm like, it's from the Bible. No, no. I'm like, no, it's, it is. It's in the exciting part. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah. She shows up for a little bit and she has this crazy ass cat. And, and then the big question was, well, how do you fit 10 horns on seven heads? And if you go look at art over the, the years, people have interpreted that many different ways. It's a very
0: interesting question. Yeah. And I mean, and you got to come up with your own interpretation of it. Yeah. It was,
1: it was a tough drawing because then you start realizing, how do you fit seven heads on like one neck? <laughs> and it's just, it's just a, it's one of those things. It's 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 the quandary that artists have. It's easy for writers to say, yeah, yeah. There's this woman, and she rides around on a gigantic uh, creature that that uh, has seven heads and ten horns, and they're lion heads, and it's like this gigantic body. Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, it's like, well, like how m- how many heads only have one horn? Like, th- does one he- head have all seven?
1: So some artists have done it where you have a lot of head horns on one head. I went with four heads with one horn and three heads with two okay and i feel like that actually works out well that 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 was how my insane ocd worked on it but you could also go
0: like six with one and four on one yeah and like at that point it becomes too much math because then you're like all right do i have do i have the right number did we break this out correctly well then i was trying to
1: figure out how i'd get four on one and i have to be real i don't know i i I, yeah it's just you get into this stuff and then it's just like this black hole rabbit hole that you fall down to like how do you figure this out and then you're like well how would you put the, 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 the and it's just uh but yeah so Babylon right
0: right on so when when you go to draw like like a public domain character um do you like look up other like interpretations of it or do you just kind of like start going off of like whatever written description you have in your head or like like something that you have in your memory so
1: with a project like that, like I, I like to do a lot of research. So, I mean, I already told you, like, I, I actually went to like a, like an end of the world church class to kind of just get a flavor for it. Yeah. And I took notes and then, you know, I literally, I, I, I it's, I start building the file where it's like, I'm going to read about it. So I, I, I literally pulled a Bible out, read the Bible. Um, I read the Wikipedia page and learned a little bit more. And then I just did like this big Google image search where I just looked at a ton of art and I saved I saved a lot of art, and I looked at it, and uh, it was funny because you start to you start to learn things. And the big thing I learned about drawing Babylon is it's always a it's always a side portrait. The reason it's a side portrait, for the most part, is if you try to draw a front portrait, all those heads would hide the woman. Oh, <laughs> right? Because if she's just riding on this thing, there's this mountain of heads. It's like, well, how do you see her? Right? Yeah. So a lot of the art that I looked at that was historic was all kind of like from the side. And I'm like, yeah, because if you have all these heads, like you couldn't see the person. Yeah.
0: You know what? I never, I never would have thought of that.
1: I didn't think about it. Cause I was going to try to draw it from the front. And then I was like, hey, wait, this isn't really, you know? And then I'm like, oh crap. You know what I mean? Like I get, you know, so you start looking at like how all these other guys, like basically how they skin the cat, so to speak. I love my cat. I wouldn't want to skin her, but you know, so different artists did it in a different way. And so you want to, at least for me, I I wanted to kind of like immerse myself mentally into like, what is this character? What does it represent? What's the history of it? And there's a lot like Babylon represents a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, you know, she was political, she was religious. Um, you know, she was commentary on other things. Um, people have reinterpreted her to mean a lot. So she's, a very symbolic uh, creature and character. Um, but I wanted to make her uh, feminine. I wanted to make her luxurious. I wanted to make her powerful, um, which is one of the reasons I reached out to, to Nix in Los Angeles. I'm a fan of her work. And I said, I have an idea. Would you like to pose for some photographs? If I just kind of did a sketch, how I want you to lay out. And uh, she did a really good job. It was kind of a weird remote shoot where I just kind of like told her what I wanted. And I sort of sketched out how I wanted her to sit. And then she tried her best to do that. And I think her partner took some pictures with her sitting on a bench. And then that was kind of like my basis for the human part of it. And then I started doing research on uh, big animals because um, she's on a big animal. And the animal is kind of a combination between like a bear and a lion and a a dinosaur because it's not just a lion, right? So there's there's a lot like how big – at first I was making the feet too small and then it just looked tiny. Like, and then I had to make the feet like meaty, you know what I mean? Like more like a, yeah. more like a big dinosaur. So there was a lot of learning. And then, uh, my friend Danny that I mentioned before, she had, she had sent me a critique on it when I was working on it about the necks and, and the heads. And she's like, you're not really thinking about how this would work with relationship to like real animals. And she gave me some really good feedback. Cause you're just trying to figure out how this
0: works. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean to, to like, this isn't a real animal. Like it's got, it's got seven heads. (laughs) Right. But here's the thing. Like the best way
1: I find to make fake things look real is to try to, to think about how real stuff works. So her feedback to me was more along the lines of like, think about if this was real, like the necks would have to work like this. And it was because it, because I was kind of making these like loosey goosey necks and she just was like, I just, it just looks wobbly. And it was good, you know, and again, it, it is fake. And You could say, well, it's fake, but it's like, yeah, but it's not. It's, it, we want people to think it's real. And if it's violating too many rules of stuff we do know, then the fake part's not going to work. It's good advice.
0: Yeah, no, that does make sense. And the, I, I Googled it real quick. And like, I see what you mean. Like, there are just a lot of different interpretations of it. Like, it seems like a lot of people, and I don't, I don't know if this is like the standard, is like a main head in the middle and then all the other heads sort of like almost as, a, as the lion's mane.
1: That there's different, there's different types. So, I mean, so hopefully what you get out of my piece is that you'd know what it is. It's respectful to the, the original subject matter, but that you wouldn't say, oh, he just copied Hieronymus Bosch. You know what I mean? Like, I, do, I, I don't want that. So you kind of want to input what others have done, but then not just copy it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this looks exactly like so-and-so. Like, so you want yours to, to fit in with the group. But not look like the group, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing that has to look a very specific way. You know, it's not Mickey Mouse. It's not Spider-Man, you know. So th- there's, you know, there's a couple things like seven heads, ten horns.
1: People know that, right? She's wearing a dress and she has a cup and she's got a lot of jewelry. So those were the things that you have, like, those are the things you have to stick with to make it known, Right. Yeah. You start changing those people may not, they say, well, that's not it, you know.
0: But like you said, you, you, you kind of had to think about like, okay, well, how do you want to do the horns? Like, and yeah. kind of like, you know, the side, like what, what your breakdown was going to be for like how those horns actually worked.
1: Yeah. And there was something in the Bible about, they had crowns on them and I actually was playing around with it and I just scrapped them. I was like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around where these crowns would go without them looking stupid or busy.
0: Yeah. Like some of the pictures I'm seeing on, like on just the Google image search, like, the crowns just look weird. Like, I see what they're trying to do with it, but sometimes they just look big and, like, they, they're they floating, basically. And other times yeah. they just, they look unnecessary.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I made the editorial decision to pull that, figuring that, that I didn't need that for people to know what it was,
0: you know? Yeah, and I, I, the best one I see on here, um, there are no crowns, but it basically hits on every one of those things that you said are sure. like, described in it. That the number of heads, the number of horns, uh, the cup, the jewelry, the dress—like, yes, it nails everything. But it doesn't go in any like one direction, like some of the other ones did. Yeah.
1: So again, I, I I enjoyed pulling out characters that you know, and people will know Babylon. People that went to Sunday school too much like me, they'll know it. Um, that,
0: First time I've ever ever heard of them. So. <laughs>
1: Well, now, hey,
0: we, we expanded your
1: brain. and learned bit. something. You, you did. But Babylon is one of those characters that is like as old as dirt. Um, you, you're now in the club. You know who she is. Um, she's a bad, bad, bad gal in the Bible. And, uh, you know, but she is known and she is a public figure. So it was, it's fun to add things like that. Because to me, um, you know, getting to use characters like that gives you a little bit of known quantity. But without saying, hey, like you're you're getting used to this as known as Spider Man, but we all own her.
0: Yeah, and and it
1: it fits the theme of of the coloring book. Totally, totally. I mean, she totally does. So I mean, like I said, I've got Lilith, Baphomet, and Babylon. So I've got I've um, got three pretty high
0: profile critters in there. Yeah, and and that along with all of just your original stuff, like everything, kind of seems, to, at least from what I'm from from what I know of those three, like historical. Um, public domain characters, and then what I see on on like the the uh the preview page, like that stuff definitely all goes together. Like they are not going to stand out as like, oh well, those look weird compared to all of these other things in this coloring book.
1: No, and that was the whole point of Rituals is was to have characters that sort of fit in with their world. And again, I think that's why that one person was saying, "What's the narrative story here?" And you are like, "Well, I don't really need to have one," but you know, okay, like so. There is werewolf. There is werewolf women in the book. There are like undead skeleton nuns. Uh, there's these kind of Napoleonic soldiers with skeleton faces um, that you know, you'd think, okay, in this hell world that Jason's created of Satanism, you know, wouldn't Baphomet be hanging out
0: with a skeleton person? Sure. I think he would. Yeah, why not, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and you have this owl in a priest's robe with like a lizard tongue? So
1: that is a character called Stolas, who is another big time public domain demon from a book called The Goetic Demon Guide. Yeah, it's, it's another like public domain creature. So like people
0: in Satanism would tend to know that Stolas the Okay. Yeah, so so that does work cuz like for me like I'm just like oh that that's a fucking cool design. But for somebody that's like that that like knows that that stuff, they're like, "Oh, it's this character. I'm going to to draw them the way that they have been described in the thing before. Yeah.
1: So like, so here's the cool thing you thought it was cool. Right. But people in that community would probably be like, Oh, he's drew stole us. Right. And yeah. again, yeah. it's, a, it's a is,
0: like a little Easter egg almost.
1: Yep. And Stolus is great. Cause stole is another, you know, again, public domain. They've been around for centuries, maybe a millennium. So they're just, and again, whether you know it or not, it's still cool. Um, so
0: I just realized we're, we're at about an hour and 45. Um, I, th- I think we, we, we mentioned the date a few times, but the, the book is launching on October 5th. Correct. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. The preview, not the preview link, the notified me on launch link is also, it's the same URL when the book goes live, right? Correct. Right. So for anyone listening, um, that link is going to be in the show notes. So you can go ahead, click on that, follow it however, however you, you want to get to it. You can click on the notify me on launch. If by chance you're listening to this after october 5th uh, that same link will bring you to the actual kickstarter page and you can actually see all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last like hour and 45
1: yep and hey maybe we'll maybe we'll make you smarter if you listen to the whole show and get the coloring book we, i mean we got we got chris i mean this is like a sunday school class for him. i love yeah. it.
0: yeah yeah I, I learned i learned that some of these things are actually biblical creatures that i've never heard of before yeah. <laughs> um so i have to ask real quick though uh is 2020 is early 2022 going to be another Lords of the Cosmos book, or are you going to hold off on that for a while? So Lords of the Cosmos five is in production like secretly.
1: Well, not real secretly because we're talking about on the show, but it is in production, like kind of behind the scenes as we speak as is issue six. Okay, nice. So the idea is to get issue five kind of ready to roll by the time, you know, satanic coloring book wraps. So I can kind of like, kind of, move the jason machine into promoting
0: that next book because I, I, you've mentioned it you mentioned it on this this time you have mentioned it the last time you were on like you try to have these things as done as they can be before you start actually yeah. putting them out there which seems like the best way to do it yeah this way you're well, not like rushing <laughs>
1: well and the only new exception the wrinkle to that is now that we have these pre-launch marketing links you can just be like hey it's coming soon and like you can just have it out there to promote it
0: yeah, I, I think I said the I, I kind of said that wrong. I really did mean like you're not launching the Kickstarter until like you oh. know the, the book yes. is ready to go.
1: Yes, so Lords of the Cosmos, um, five big chunks of it are done. Um, one of our artists did a 17-page story that is all done. He, I'm getting the original pages mailed from his shop in Italy to my house right now. Nice. The main story is like halfway done. I've got about nine pages I've got to do in it, but that's kind of on hold. Right this minute, with everything else that's going on with projects wrapping up and projects starting up. So, um, hopefully, I get back to that a little bit later this year. And then there is one story that um, an artist has not started yet, but is written. So, it's going to have three stories in issue five. There's the main story, there is a big action set piece that's like part one of two um, that has backers in it from prior Kickstarters that paid to be in the books. And the third story is going to be a, a day in the life of the religious officer of Umex's army, uh, Zemba. And her okay. her a day in her life. And how there's some connections that lead back from that story to the main story and that will tie into some other elements. So there was a very specific reason she needs to be in issue five as kind of like why she's doing the things she's doing. As The spotlight kind of moves a little bit back to her
0: you don't have to divulge this if you don't want to do you have a like a, a a number in mind for how long you want that book to run for i
1: think the main story arc that we're all reading i think will probably wrap at the end of issue eight okay now all that being said Lords of the cosmos was always designed to be very modular so that like we could stop it at that point or we could just keep it going if we want to because i have a, i have a, a I have an end in mind for the main arc, but I also have like a ho, 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 like, you know, you can keep it going type deal. So we'll, we'll probably keep knocking these out till we wrap up the main story. And then I may take a back seat and just do backup stories and do more writing there and bring in someone else to do the larger main stories, to take more pressure off me. And we might continue on more that way, but it it could keep going as long as we, we want it to go. But like I said, the main story probably issue eight,
0: Okay. So you got a couple more years before it all wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, issue five and six
1: are in, you know, partial production on each book, uh, seven and eight bits and pieces. Okay. Um, but we, we probably have right now five different little creative teams making stories right now for it. Like just kind of quietly in the background. I, I was talking to, uh, one of the guys that works in the book that does our toys for the back of the book. And and he was asking what was going on with it. And he was just curious because he has to do some stuff for me for some upcoming Lord stuff, Lord's the Cosmos stuff. And I said, I, sometimes I feel like we're a damn terrorist cell. We're like, I have people doing work that don't know anyone else that's working for us, (laughs) you know? And I've got this like binder of like, you know, who, who is doing what? And like, I interact with all of them, like very like, One on one, but we don't have like some big. It'd be cool if we could, but it's just, it's, I don't know that there's any need
0: or practicality to it. But yeah, like a big Discord server, just add everybody into
1: uh, it. Yeah, maybe if I even knew how to use Discord, I know it's out there. But like I said, I I was laughing. I, I said, I feel like we're damn terrorists or something because I'm like, we'll call, we'll call the people on this project. And then like I, you know, email them and I keep little notes in the book. So like in the last week, I've gotten, We have an artist in Russia working on a project for us for Lords of the Cosmos. We have an artist in Pittsburgh drawing stuff. We have an artist in the Philippines. And we just have stuff wrapped up in Italy. And then the guy doing Zemba, Dario is in Spain. So it's, and again, I just keep a little binder with who's doing what, you know. You're worldwide at this point. Uh, Apparently. So I just, I keep track of everyone. And like every two or three weeks, I just send little notes. Like, where are we at? How are we doing? And I just keep track of like what we got going on. And uh, everything is just really cool that we're getting, you know, I, I I get all excited seeing this stuff, but I know it won't be a while till everyone gets to see it, but there's just really cool stuff cooking. So, I mean, there's just all kinds of like little tidbits in Lords of the Cosmos. So even while I'm doing this coloring book stuff, stuff's being made.
0: Nice. That's and look, that that's always good. You always have something kind of like on the burner, ready to move on to the next project. You're not sitting there waiting like, all right, well, this one's done. What should I do next?
1: Well, and, and Lords of the Cosmos
0: is morphed into
1: like me doing art, but me doing writing, me doing plotting, scripting, editing. So there's things where it's like you can, you know, kind of provide direction and then not be as actively involved. And then those things can kind of work on their own, you know?
0: Yeah. Especially like, what, like you said, when you have like, especially those backup stories where you can like hand, hand your Bible to somebody let them see what they need to do and like take their pitch and make it real. Exactly. Cool. Well, Jason, thank you so much for, for coming on tonight. Um, where other than, than the Kickstarter, where can everybody find you?
1: So on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Lenox artist, L E N O X. Uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, Jason or facebook.com slash Jason Lennox illustrator and I think those would probably be the easiest places to find me. Oh, and my website, jasonlenox.com. There's always tons of stuff on there, too. And then my Etsy store is Lennox Art Emporium. If you want to go pick up a print, Lords of the Cosmos 4 is now for sale there as well. So,
0: Yeah, and you'll be at some shows in October that we talked about before. Yep. And-
1: uh, so I'll be at Sci-Fi Valley Con on, let me get my calendar open so I can speak intelligently. I will be at Sci-Fi Valley Con at the Blair County Convention Center on October 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, and I will be at Baltimore Comic-Con on October 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at Inner Harbor at the Baltimore Convention Center.
0: Cool. All right. If you'd like to find more of our content, you can head over to www.one-quest.com. You can also help us out by going over to patreon.com slash onequest. If you can't support us there, though, with your dollars, you can support us by going to your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you know and love and uh, rate us review us subscribe to us those things all help a whole bunch you can also find us on social media facebook.com slash one online or at one quest on twitter and instagram our youtube channel is youtube.com slash one video and you can always send us an email to social at one quest.com anyways we'll be back next not even next week we'll be back in a few days with our normal episode 372